0: <laughs> Did you ever look at someone else? Yeah, and, and think if only you had their life, you'd have it all. Look at how cool this is. Signed by all five band members. Solo
1: Detroit. You know what the sickest thing is about you, little man? You fantasize about being somebody else, singing
2: somebody else's songs. Oh, maybe if I get really lucky, I'll get to grow up and listen to air supply and wear jack boots like you. What's wrong with air supply? <laughs>
1: You asked it around, your you around in truck, It's gone. What are, you what are you doing? What are you doing? That is not paid for by them. That is paid for by the people of Detroit. You're be qualified, ML. I'm not qualified for this job. Let me tell You, you want to go right now? Okay. You want to go right now? Hey, kids! It's your old pal ML Elric coming to you with a hot off the presses edition of ML Soul of Detroit. Our intro rock star was uh, fiddled with a little bit by Mark Fellhauer, who bears an uncanny resemblance to Glenn Gulia, who was the uh, the brother of um, or brother-in-law, I think, of Mark Wahlberg. There, remember Glenn Guglia from uh, from Wedding Singer?
2: Yeah.
3: Oh yeah. Yeah. Julia Gulia.
1: Yeah, that was one of the rare Glenn Gulia appearances.
3: A weird, what a very weird reference.
1: I always liked Glenn Gould. I didn't know why That's he didn't go further. He was, uh, he was a great guy. <laughs> and Sean Windsor rejoins us in studio. Now, a lot of people have been inquiring about Sean's health. A few people have spent, sent small donations inquiring about Sean's health. We're glad to see Sean looks better, but he says he'll feel a lot better if more donations come in. So please
0: continue to tithe. So I should not be in the studio. No, you should it's be wrecking but if you, your fundraising uh, apparatus. No,
1: no, if you could, if you could, I was going to say if you could look a little more haggard, but I don't think that's possible.
0: <laughs> I'm, I'm, a, I'm a, so, more of a spectral presence. Yes. Yeah, so, so <laughs> I'm the not really uh, here <laughs> uh,
1: from death's door to Drew's basement, Sean Windsor is here, but he could die if you don't. Give well, it's nice three.
0: and toasty and smoky in here, right? Yeah, it's super hot in here, man. Yeah. yeah.
1: So, so our special <laughs> guest, you know, when I tell people that oh. he's a, a published author. That he was born in Gross Point, but Detroit's most successful media figure, they usually think they're talking about me. Now they say, uh, who's the unemployed guy who only works for a couple hours on Tuesday? And then they are talking about me. This week, it is the one and only J.T. Harding, rock star, songwriter, and a man about town, a boulevardier. When he's not wearing his, uh, when he's not wearing his Stormtrooper jacket, he rocks the <laughs> leopard skin. Or is that Cheetah?
4: Do not adjust your computers. I'm really dressed this way. Listen, if you're in your car, honk your horn. If you're at work, drum on your desk. And if you're still in bed, dance on your back because I'm JT Harding and you're on Soul of Detroit. Troy, 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 (laughs) Troy.
1: And a a very, very sweet electrifying mojo uh, reference. So JT knows everything about the Midnight Funk Association, the Dread Card. He's been there. He's done that. And he's put it all in his new book which uh, was just
4: released, is just released today, I believe. Today, baby, party like a rock star. You can get it in your hot, steaming fingertips. And you know, you probably don't know my name. You don't know my face, but you do know my songs. I've been very fortunate to write number one songs for Blake Shelton, Keith Urban, Kenny Chesney, co-wrote Smile with the Great Uncle Cracker, Goo Goo Dolls, Jonas Brothers, all over the map. I didn't know anyone in the music business. I used to just stand outside of WRAF. That's why the cover of my book has little WRAF stickers on it. And it's great to be here, ML, and to your whole team. What's happening? I had to stay up all night to get up this early. I'm down <laughs> in Nashville, but uh, it's good to be here. Woo! <laughs> right,
1: and he is—he
4: is still up.
1: It's—they uh, it's, it. they serve a lot of coffee there. It's not the rock rock and roll yes, lifestyle. Well, this guy. is awesome Nashville,
0: because Nashville, because-
4: Nashville Jesus, yeah, Nashville, Jesus and coffee. Yeah, they think Smokey and the Bandit is a documentary down here. You know, I get in a lot of trouble.
0: <laughs> JT, whatever you do, keep, please, uh, please keep interrupting Mike. This is awesome. <laughs> that was the shortest intro we've ever had in the history of this podcast, thanks to you.
1: <laughs> wow, it's so good to have Sean back. Um, b- before, we, before we sell some books for JT, we gotta, we got to sell some product from our sp- for our sponsors, who are the ones who make it possible for us to be here. And first and foremost is our friend, Luke Nowacki, who sponsors all our Red Shovel Network shows. He's a guy who's going to make sure that when you retire, you can do it with style.
3: Yeah, because overreaction is not the strategy for the long-term investors. That's why you need to call Luke at Pinnacle Wealth, 248-663-4748. Stocks, bonds, how do you allocate your 401k? What is a 401k? How do I uh, get my company to have one? Get advice, get a strategy. Call Luke Nowacki at Pinnacle Wealth, 248 248- 663 Is when you call Luke, he'll make it all about you, sweetheart. Securities and investment advisory
4: services offered through Royal Alliance Associates Inc., member F-I-N-R-A-S-I-P-C. Royal Alliance Associates Inc. is separately owned and other entities and/or marketing names, products, or services referenced here are independent of Royal Alliance Associates Inc. And
1: of course, we're wow. grateful to David Hall. That was not written by JT, by the way. But oh, that uh,
4: sounds like that sounds like Uncle Cracker on a case of Red Bull. What was that? Jeez. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. maybe may with a uh, with a rubber band around his sack. My. Uh, <laughs> them in a different state of mind. But uh but that's that's the feds for you. Uh Hall Financial, also a sponsor of all our Red Shovel Network shows. They will save you a bundle. And while interest rates are going up, there's still a chance to save with David Hall.
3: Yeah, the most client focused mortgage company in the industry. They're not going to cover the cost of your appraisal. Can save you up to $750. Home values are just shooting up in the last two years. And uh rates are rates are going up now too. So you might want to check them out. Uh, Take the first step before you go buy that house, callhallfirst.com. That's callhallfirst.com, or call them up on your phone, 866-CALL-HALL. I mean, how many five-star reviews do they have? Over 5,000 of them, two of them from ML.
1: That's right. They did a great deal for me. When you give them a call, ask for my man, Dan, and tell them, tell all our sponsors when you do business with them that ML Sent you. And before we went, so when JT and I were growing up, uh, where's the beef was a or, big, or can, or, big yeah, Or you
4: can be like me, kids. Keep your money where you can see it. Hanging in your closet. Thank you very much. <laughs> wow. Yes. Oh, where's the beef? What a great commercial that was, ML.
1: Yeah, it was. Well, if you're looking for the best beef you can find, there's the butchery <laughs> in Sylvan Lake. It's the butchery Their phone number is 248-682-2697. That's 248-682-COWS. They're open Wednesday through Sunday, They have great meats and sweet treats. Great uh, little boutique grocery store, too. You can get some craft beers there. Pretty much anything you need to put on a great feed is right there at the butchery in Sylvan
4: Lake. So check them out. Sound effects. That's what was missing. Sound effects, Jesus. Where is the beat? That's like, What What's next, a bazooki ad? Wow, you guys got everybody.
1: Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, you know, nice bazooki you know, buzz- where they got nothing to hide.
4: If you got <laughs> <Yes>. enough money,
1: <laughs> you have to take some of that money out of the closet if they're going to take something off of their behind over there at the bazooki. Oh, but yeah, we don't. Yeah. This is a family show. We don't. We don't cotton to that kind of uh, business.
3: All yeah, right. We'll take it. Here.
1: Unless they, unless they reach <laughs> I, out to us at, yeah, at gmail.com <laughs> <talking about? laughs> and, and offer us a handsome fee. So JT, I've not seen JT since high school. Uh, I was on the staff of the tower which was our student newspaper and i heard about a little local punk band that had gotten some airplay on college radio on c jam fm which at the time was way down on the dial now they're 99.1 still playing great music out of the university of windsor and these guys god he must have been a freshman or a sophomore like they're getting airplay and so i did a story on them and it was dirty tricks with the uh, T-R-I-X-X, because, you know, they're kind of edgy with the double X. If they were triple X, we couldn't have put them in the paper, or at yeah, least not fair. any pictures. And that was kind of the last I thought about them. I mean, you saw him in the Battle of Bands. JT and his band were outstanding, but it was Gross Point. It was the 80s, so I think some probably really weak out Ballet knockoff won that contest. But they electrified the scene. I did not see JT well, for years Until I went to a funeral for a friend and I got introduced to this kind of wild looking dude who was, uh, as hard to believe today, was very low key (laughs) and we were introduced. It's like, okay, yeah, fine, whatever. And then we ended up sitting in the pews together because we didn't know that many people at the funeral. So, you know, it's kind of like a wedding where the two single guys get put at the same table. The two old ladies are at the same table and we started talking and he said he had a book coming out and I said, oh wow. And he started telling me about the book. I said, oh shit, you're JT Harding. Which to me meant a lot, but what I know now is it means a lot to everybody, in the music industry. So, JT, it's good to see you again. Uh, second well, great, time now well, in what, 50 years? Well, great
4: to be here. Well, you're skipping some of the amazing parts of the story. First of all, the first battle of bands, of course, I won because I study MTV when other kids were studying algebra. Yeah, the year you saw us, we came in second, but I couldn't let, let it stand. So then we won the next year, then won the South Talent Show. But here's the best part about it when I signed my book deal, I knew that I wanted there to be a picture of me breaking the guitar on the cover. So I went up to our cottage in Northern Michigan. And I've saved every newspaper article, every song list I ever made, all of these things because it took me years and years to make it. You know, my heart's been broken more than the ice cream machine at McDonald's because of the music business, but I did not quit. But anyway, so I couldn't find this picture. I kept going up north from Nashville. I knew the picture was there. I was losing sleep trying to find this picture. It took me months. I finally found this picture with without a photo credit on it. Fast forward to the funeral. Uh, for our great friend, Ted Metry's mom. I'm sitting next to a guy. We both had masks on. I said, I'm JT. And you leaned over. I mean, this is like a a bad after school special. (laughs) You leaned over and said, I took a picture of you in high school. You were breaking a guitar. And dude, it was like someone poured cold water down my shirt. I I just got chills. And I was like, I've been looking for that picture for months. I just found it. And here you are sitting next to me. Now it's the cover of my book. I mean, that it's a great story. So thank you for taking that picture. And uh, you know, in the photo I'm wearing leg warmers, my clothes are ripped up and I'm smashing a guitar. As you can tell, I hate attention, but what a picture, what a picture.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And you know, I think I figured out why they sat us together. All the guys with initials for first names got stuck in that one pew, I guess, but so, is st- like
0: all the is like guys, guys so that really subdued. love themselves. But,
4: you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I, I have a room in my house full of mirrors because I like to be surrounded by a winner. But no, seriously, ML's <laughs> like, you're so subdued. It was a funeral, <laughs> I like ML. I don't. The last place I want to be the center of attention is at a funeral.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, that's true because uh, the guy with the best suit on is usually dead. But yeah, yeah.
4: So the story, and that's why. Let me really quick. That's why I wrote the book because it's so everything today is so perfect. Everyone's pictures and everybody's posts. But growing up in Detroit, you know, I didn't know anybody in the music business, and I was enamored with MTV. It was like. Dorothy in black and white Kansas going into Oz when I saw MTV. Of course, I loved Riff already. I loved Wheels. And so I moved out to LA. I didn't have any kind of roadmap. I didn't know anybody. I had to, I stole a FedEx jacket while I borrowed it. And walked into record companies like Obi-Wan Kenobi walking into the Death Star. And I put my cassette into every single mailbox in uh, every record company mailbox in L.A. And that's why I wrote the book. I wish it was the book that someone had written when I was trying to get in the music business. Because anyone can do it. I'm living proof. So uh, that's that. Yeah. And like like Obi-Wan
1: Kenobi, he got killed, but he came (laughs) back. He came back, and the force was stronger in
3: this one. Wait, did that work? I mean, th- that's a pretty good hustling story, did it? You know did-
4: what, Mark? A lot of people are saying, you know, well, you didn't, you didn't get any attention from that, did you? And I said, well, I did actually. The cops were after me for, for weeks. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was so night. Mar- Mark, it's a great question. And by the way, I made my first demo tape with money that I won on VH1 Rock and Roll Jeopardy. Yeah. Because one thing about Gross Point, you know, everyone works hard there. But no, my parents didn't give me money to move L.A. They were they were mortified. So I was so naive that this could happen. I got a job at Tower Records on Sunset, this huge record store. I thought, well, people deliver records here. They must know the people that make the records. Every celebrity came in. It's all in my book. Springsteen, Michael Jackson, Kurt Cobain, everybody came in. I gave everybody my demo. And one day a record executive came in. I knew his name from a magazine. I gave him my tape and that's how I got my first uh, record deal. And then they dropped me from that deal. But you know what? I just had to keep going and keep going. I ended up working for Linkin Park, as you guys know. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it's all in the book, all these wacky stories. It's like colorful characters, twists and turns. It's like a movie. We just don't know the plot, but that's all right.
3: Did you get ah, Did ah. you get Final Jeopardy right? I didn't. You want to know the question? Yeah, I do.
4: All right. Listen at home, kids. I was up by so many points that there was no way I could lose. So I only bet $1. This is the question. This is I remember it verbatim from VH1 Rock and Roll Jeopardy. The category is women singers. She had 10 top 10 hits in the 80s. She is a member of the Royal British Army, and she starred in the biggest movie of 1978.
3: Who is it? Dunc, Diana dunk, Ross? Dunk, dunk, The uh, British Army. So they'd I have to be wrong. British, right? Do they have Dunc, to be British? Dunk,
1: yeah. it's, it's not dunk. Kim Wilde she only had one big hit
4: olivia newton john
3: Oh, because of australia ball yeah oh, that's a tough yeah, question know, not
4: only, do they, not only part are of the, the commonwealth criminals there, not only are the criminals there they have future pop stars yeah so i got it wrong so the movie was grease yeah. and a lot of hits and and uh, yeah but that, i'm glad you asked me that I, I got that one wrong no one ever seems to get it yeah
3: yeah that's a t- that is hard man so, totally.
4: Well, I love being on game shows. There's two things I never turn down: sex or a chance to be on TV. Thank
1: you. <laughs> well, we're putting you on TV, just so we're clear. <laughs> yes. This is a, again family show. So some of the people who uh, who uh, JT has written with are uh, Uncle Cracker, Smile, yes. Kenny Chesney, "Somewhere With You," Bart the End mm-hmm. of the World, Keith Urban, "Somewhere in My Car." Got a lot of "Somewheres" in these song titles. Blake Shelton, yeah. Sangria, Jake Owens, "Alone With You," and Darius Rucker's "Beers and Sunshine."
4: Yes. And and I wrote, you know, my best songs are co-written. I wrote that with uh, Darius, Beers and Sunshine. Of course, Smile. I wrote with Uncle Cracker. He was chain smoking. My eyes were as red as the Netflix logo <laughs> by the end of it. But he, he we wrote like four or five. You know, I did, He didn't know I was from Detroit. He had just heard some songs that I had made a demo of. And our friend Ted Metry again gave it to him. And we went up to Cracker's Cottage and we wrote like four or five probably so-so songs. I'd never had a hit song before. I was just so excited to be there. And on the last day, I'll never forget it, like like the, like the, whoa, the light from heaven, Cracker just said, what about a song called Smile? And so we started it, and he came up with the best line. Cracker said, cooler than the flip side of my pillow. Now, I had never heard that line before. And here's what's so hard about songwriting, to come up with a lyric that is so simple that everyone knows what you're saying, but you've never heard before. It's kind of like when you see a great comedian, you know, Dave Chappelle says something funny, and you're listening, and you're like, oh, my gosh, he's talking about me. Uh, that's what I try to do in songwriting. And it sounds simple, but it's not. But, you know, Cracker really, really changed my life. And I I just give him all the credit in the world. He actually texted me recently. He said, man, thank goodness for Smile, JT. My little boy's kindergarten is as as expensive as my my daughter's college.
1: So how do you co-write a song? I mean, what, what, uh, what are people looking for when they call you up? Are you a song doctor? or Are you an idea man? or Are you good with hooks? I mean, what, what, what is you it? You know what
4: i say? Songs are like sausages. Don't watch them being made. <laughs> just enjoy them when they're done. Uh, so here's how we do it. In Nashville, songwriting is a full contact sport. We write down there five days a week. I always come prepared. So I have tons of titles in my phone. You get titles from movies, from breakups, from makeups, from books. And I just have titles in my phone and I come in and they have ideas, everyone. And then we kind of, it's like a think tank and we just kind of kick ideas around. This is not a joke. My idea for Darius was the only BS I need is bikinis and sunshine because I think I heard Some girl say that somewhere. And I thought it's already a T-shirt waiting to happen. But Darius is not a superstar by accident. So we started working on it. I'd never met him before. And he said, what if it was more universal? What if it was the only BS I need is beers and sunshine? That happened about an hour into the right. And I was just like, that's so much better. So that's what writing a song is like. You're just kind of kicking the ideas around, kind of waiting for, for lightning to strike. Sometimes they come fast, sometimes they don't. But it's, it's the magic of how it happens, the mystery of how it happens is what keeps you in love with it because you, you never know what's going to happen. You know, I've written a lot of bad songs, but you have to to get to the good ones.
3: Now, now the book "Party Like a Rockstar." I feel like we've left out one of the craziest stories is the Woo! stories of your parents and your biological father, who is yes. Jay Thomas. I mean, I think a lot of people know who Jay was by uh, actor in the um, I mean, Cheers. Is that what he's best known? I know him from doing radio. I've heard him do lots, lots of radio. But can you yeah, can you definitely. share that story because it's it's pretty wild. Um, the yeah, my, my birth
4: certificate is an apology from a condom company. It's hanging on the <laughs> wall in between my gold albums. It, it brings a tear to your eye, doesn't it? So I was adopted at birth. My parents, Larry and Kendra Harding, I wouldn't trade them for anything in the world. My dad went to Michigan State. He caught a touchdown in the Rose Bowl, people. That's right. I was voted most likely to be the water boy at Grosse Point South. But anyway.
2: <laughs> I was the runner hit. up.
4: Yeah. they never knew. They never knew who my biological parents were. You know, anything like that. And then I met my biological mother when I was in my early 20s. And we talked for a few months on the phone. I never had a longing. There was nothing missing. She wanted to find me. I was curious. And she said, I want to tell you who your biological father is. And I knew she wasn't kidding. I just knew she wasn't. I was living in Los Angeles at the time. And she said, "Um, he's an actor. And I was like, what? And she said, yeah, he's on the He was on the television show, Cheers. So like the Terminator scanning a room for a human, my brain was in overdrive. Not Norm.
1: Don't be Norm. Don't be Norm. Don't be Norm. Norm. (laughs)
4: Exactly. I was going through the cast of Cheers for someone that looked like, and I yelled to my roommate, I'm going to be rich. My biological dad is Ted Danson. And she said, this is a true story. She said, no, it's Jay Thomas, who was a big DJ at the time in L.A., One block from my apartment, seven stories high on the side of a building, I have a picture of it, was Jay Thomas's face on the body of a woman. And it said, we apologize for Jay Thomas because he was in a lot of trouble on the radio. Mr. Holland's Opus, the movie, was out. Those billboards were everywhere. I mean, it's it's such a bad movie. I'm surprised Jay didn't write it and star in it. But that's what happened. We were like two long-lost fraternity brothers. He has two sons that I'm best friends with. So I, it was really the best-case scenario. But uh, he hated music. He said Dylan is a moron, <laughs> the Beatles are going freaks, Elvis – is a thief of black music. Jay Thomas said to me, "If a song comes to me without a bag of cocaine or money, money, I ain't playing it." And I was like, "Okay then, <laughs> all
1: right." Yeah,
0: yeah it's like I mean, so
1: that's why they put me up for adoption.
0: You've yeah. got uh, his he inflection said, a little told- bit, right, JT? Oh my god! You was absolutely that? his voice was lower, but you have his inflection. A little bit the the pattern. Isn't
1: that wild? Yeah. Isn't that Isn't crazy? That I mean,
0: the nurture versus nature, right? Isn't that amazing? Bizarre, yeah. Well, and
1: what about the JT? That's his initials. How did that come about? Yes, That's just. I, I know, mean, your your adoptive parents this. didn't know who your biological dad was, right?
4: Exactly. And I know this sounds unbelievable. His real name is John Thomas Terrell. My name is John Thomas Harding, but I was named after my grandfather, the Hart, like nothing to do with Jay Thomas. Everyone called him JT his whole life. Now, ML brought this up earlier. Jay thought maybe I was a scammer because he was on a show at that time and I went to see it. And this is in my book. It's great. So Jay sent his buddy out to sit next to me to see if I was a scammer. And in Los Angeles, if maybe people know this before these shows, like friends or whatever, they have a comedian come out to warm up the audience off camera. This guy was terrible. So I started heckling him. I said, dude, Your joke should be told on airplanes. That way the audience can't leave. The crowd was just cracking up. (laughs) Jay Thomas's buddy, who was a spy, went right backstage. And Jay was like, well, what's he doing? What's he doing? And he said, oh, no, that's your son for sure. That's your son.
0: (laughs) Oh, wow. When did you? Oh, go ahead.
1: Well, I was just going to say, so you developed a strong relationship with your dad. Was he any help getting you breaks? I mean, because he's in the entertainment business, right? He's a DJ. You're a songwriter. I mean, don't just say, hey, dad, uh, you know, how about help a brother out here?
4: No, because I I found out quickly that music business doesn't work like that. But what was an incredible help to Jay, uh, I mean, what incredible help to me, Jay understood my longing and my passion to in the spotlight, even though I like music and he did acting. I mean, every time I open the fridge and the light comes on, I sing for 20 seconds, you know? And uh, so that, cause you know, everyone's like, Oh, why do you want to be a rock star? Who cares? Just go do something else. And I was like, why doesn't anyone understand this? So that was great about meeting Jay because he really understood what it's like to be in the gauntlet of the music business. And like, I'm not famous and I'm not a TV star, but those were, were really great conversations, but no, he didn't, he didn't help at all, but he had big radio shows and he would come. On and say, Listen, give your kids up for adoption, and when they're a success, welcome them back into the family, like I have with JT, because I'd already had a hit song by the time we met.
0: Okay, I, I, have, a, I have a question for you, JT. Did, yeah, go for it. did you hear his fabulous Lone Ranger story in person before he told it on David Letterman?
4: No, because I don't know if I knew that story uh, before that, but what's funny, and once again, it is in my book. I did go with him to David Letterman a few times, and I got thrown out of the show during the taping. That, that's <laughs> my, I don't want to give that story away because because I can't explain it as well as I did in the book. But, yeah, Jay would take me to the show every every uh, every Christmas he did, and it was fantastic. But, no, I didn't know that story. But I do have pictures of Jay with the big, giant white man, Bob Ross, after oh I that's. I- Oh Thank God,
0: that? that's awesome. I know you don't
3: want, I know you don't want to give the whole story away but uh, do you accept today the reason you got kicked out of Letterman? Like do you understand why? I mean I don't even know what happened but do you understand why you were kicked out and do you still oh, do you think absolutely. it's bullshit or was it totally <laughs> appropriate?
4: Yeah. I'll I'll tell you part of the story for, for for inquiring minds out there. I caused a little ruckus at the David Letterman show. I wasn't supposed to and because I was you know trying to get noticed. So Jay forbid me to ever contact Letterman or anyone that worked there. I was uninvited forever, Jay said. So I forgot about it. Five or six months later, I was watching David Letterman, and he had a very much older woman on. He was apologizing to the woman because her son was a comedian. I forget his name. His act was so ahead of its time that Letterman had cut that comedian out of the show. And and then the guy died. He was a young guy. You, You probably Google his name. David Letterman was apologizing to his mom. I just got a little chill because he said, I should have had your son on. It wasn't fair of me to cut him off. So I saw that. So I sat down and wrote David Letterman an apology. I just said, I see you on TV and what you're classy and you're funny. I had no right to interrupt your show. I just mailed it to the David Letterman show in New York, thought it would be lost in the mail. About five days later, I get a FedEx package. I held it over the steam Mm -hmm. like I used to open Christmas presents trying to see what it was because I didn't want to rip what was inside. And it's a letter. I have it hanging on my wall, handwritten from David Letterman. He said, I'm a fan of your father's. You're welcome back anytime. And in the 30 years on television, no one's ever caused a ruckus like that. So we have that between us or something. It meant the world to me. And I would never do it again, but I just love that uh, he wrote me back. I hope well, this all really makes cool. sense. Yeah, no, that's <laughs> a, really
1: cool. So that's a story worth buying the book for. But but JT, yeah. you know, obviously you're doing very well. It's I know from trying to get a book sold, it is Im- almost impossible. So there's a big success there. You've written hit songs. There's a big success there. I imagine you're living pretty well now, but talk to us a little bit about those years where it wasn't so good because I think one of the real values of this book is is It's really easy to see people at the top of the mountain, but nobody really thinks about or talks about how many times you tried to summit it and fell down and then had to get back up and try again. And a lot of people keep climbing and never make it to the top, but, uh, but you are here both to share your story, but I think also to inspire and, and to give people you know, a little jolt of perseverance
4: yeah well you're so right i mean anything whether you're a lawyer or a plumber or working at a hospital i mean it's all it all takes a lot of work i moved out to la i never had any money i always had a job and so you know what I would do I would go down to uh, Ralph's grocery store I would get this big thing of generic mayonnaise and generic tuna fish and a loaf of bread the size of a water ski and then my roommate and I would dump all the mayonnaise in the garbage bag and dump all the tuna fish we took the shelves out of this old refrigerator and then anytime I was hungry I would take two pieces of bread and scoop out the tuna fish from the garbage bag the garbage bag was clean and I would eat tuna fish sandwiches for for night after night It's it's amazing I still love sushi and yeah i just worked any job i could i worked at the chinese theater i I worked at yogurt places i worked for bands i just had something in me i just did not want to give up and you just have to have to keep going you know and you have to give if you're trying to get in the music business you have to give everything to it because there's so many people that want it if you don't put everything else uh If you don't put it in front of everything else, someone else in line is just going to do it. But that's another reason why I love Nashville. It's an incredibly nurturing city. Everyone helps each other. We're competitive, but there's songwriters that are playing open mic nights literally literally at like the Burger King or at Empty Bars or somewhere with Tim McGraw and Garth Brooks. But everyone gets along. Everyone gives each other advice. It's incredible. I say about when I was in L.A., I felt like God picked up America like a bath mat and shook it. And all everyone sane hung on. Everyone else, like me, landed in L.A. You know, Everyone out there was just on the climb and full of ego. So it's, it's great to be in Nashville. It's a small town in a big city, I like to say. What was the lowest point for you? <laughs> this podcast, actually. <laughs> <laughs>
0: great answer. Uh, well, again, me
3: David
1: too. Hall, Luke Nowacki, the butchery, uh, you know... You Uh, give them your business, but this JT Harding guy, just screw that book. Forget it.
4: Yeah. All right. So listen, for me, losing a record deal was beyond heartbreaking. I didn't know that record companies sign people, make records. I made a a record in New York city. I was broke. I get flown to New York. I make a record with John Mellencamp's band. They didn't put it out. I was heartbroken, but I got back up on the horse, worked for a rock star. But my lowest point, the great band, Lincoln park. Mm -hmm. They're so nice. They're so great. I'm their assistant. They're really low-maintenance. They're all happily married, and they know that I'm a songwriter. I never talked to them about my music. I know that that's not the way to do it, but they had a record label. That's why I was working for them. They decided to let me open up for them. So I'm in Kansas. I'll never forget it. It was the band, I think, Slipknot with all the masks on. And, boy, when they took their masks off, I realized why they wore the masks. And then it was Linkin Park, and I went on before them. I went on in between those two bands with an acoustic guitar. Exactly. And I gotta tell you, if you're listening out there, people, if you've never stood on stage in a bright white spotlight holding a guitar and heard thirty thousand people screaming "You suck," it's quite an experience. You know, it gives you it gives you chills. Anything not tied down was being thrown at me, and so I said to the crowd, "I was like, all right, hang on a second. Do you people like Ozzy Osbourne?" And they were like, "Ah." I said, "All right, all right. Here's a little Joan Osborne. What if God was..." Born? It freaking rained hell on me. A quarter hit me in the, in the eye. And this picture's in my book. I wish I had it here. I'm bleeding. There's blood rushing down. The crowd starts cheering. I think I'm winning them over. Little did I know that Chester Bennington from Linkin Park had walked out on stage behind me. And everyone's going crazy now for him. He puts his arm around me and he's kind of laughing like, you know, the first time we both got drunk and I'm bleeding. And he takes me off the stage. And I, I got, you know, a couple stitches, and he scolded the audience, which he didn't have to. But I, I looked in the mirror, it was like looking at a funhouse mirror. I was so out of it, and I thought to myself, what am I doing? That I think was my lowest point. But here's the thing the next day in the newspaper, a huge picture of Chester and I, I'm bleeding, and a little paragraph said, despite bleeding from the head, a band, a one man band called JTX despite bleeding from the head finished a promising three song set. And somebody saw that article and that's how I ended up getting my writing deal in Nashville. So all of these failures just keep adding up to pushing you towards your dream. So I'm glad I didn't lose an eye, man. I'd be like, you know, kid rocks, new DJ with the eye patch, you know?
3: Wow. And Chester, man, what, it just seemed like an incredible guy. All the stories about him, of course, you know, committed suicide, which is just horribly sad, but it's kind of those, pitfalls i guess of the music industry which have you been able to avoid those i mean you've probably seen a bunch of them around you i would think
4: uh yeah you know i used to have a drug problem but now i can afford it no just kidding just (laughs) kidding i i've just i i don't know I've, i've i've had disappointments but uh no really other problems or anything and and you know chester was so kind and i don't know what he was going through i can't even really comment on that that was after my time but I've just always said, all right, I got to get up again. I got to keep going. I've definitely taken breaks. And listen, when I was in eighth grade in the Battle of Bands, I was like, look out world, here I come. I'm going to destroy everybody with my posing and my pouting and gross point. But definitely from 20 to 35, I I was like, man, is this ever going to happen? So it's easy now to laugh about it. But many nights where I was like, wow, is this ever going to happen? But I'm real, real fortunate. And it wouldn't have happened if I didn't grow up in Michigan, seeing everybody work really hard, having all the great music. Now on everybody's iPad, they have every group ever. But I think Detroit was one of the first cities that had a rap station, a pop station, a country station, three mm-hmm. rock stations all on the dial. People forget that. you know. Uh, the Electrifying Mojo was the first DJ to ever play Prince on pop radio. I mean, think of that. So growing up in Detroit had all you know, I wouldn't, you know, Howard Stern started there. Um, I, I wouldn't be where I am if I didn't grow up in Detroit. I'll tell you that.
0: JT have a a question for you, getting back to your family for a second. How did your, your parents uh, handle the relationship you developed with, with your biological parents?
4: Sean, that's a great question. They were, they were incredibly welcoming of it. I found out my brother, Lance, who's great uh, in the book, he goes by his native American name dances with vodka. Uh, (laughs) he, um, he was worried I wasn't going to come home for Christmas, and if they were worried about it, they didn't tell me. And then once they met Jay, and met his kids and his wife, he's he's been uh, remarried. He's been like married like four times. I couldn't ask him for any money; he'd given it all away. Uh, <laughs> so they really, everyone got along like gang, gangbusters. And I just I I just told my parents over and over they would never. I, nothing could ever replace them. Jay and I were like long lost buddies. It's just like the three of you. It was just like buddies like that, but it's a great question. We're buddies. And a lot of people that have been That's adopted, write me on Facebook, ask for advice, or they don't have a good situation. So it's pretty incredible how many people, the the stories that it opens up. And,
1: and JT, I, I think uh, one of the stories that we talked about uh, before we went on the air is when you're. When Larry, your adoptive father, died, Jay did the eulogy, right? I mean, so that's a that's a pretty strong bond, and that shows a lot of uh, it shows a lot of of how big both of those men were. That someone could let somebody else into their their son's life who might be a threat, and then the guy who who found out that somebody else helped make their son the man he is. That when he died, even though he was a big deal, he took the time to come and pay tribute to him. That's there's a lot of inspiring stories in this book, and and it's it's not just about success and some great anecdotes, although it's full of those. I think there's a lot of pages in here that if you find yourself struggling, and as I'm trying to get back on track, I find myself struggling. And just listen to what you're talking about. I'm actually kind of thinking I maybe need a couple more failures because, (laughs) I mean, seriously, it's shit doesn't come easy. Good stuff doesn't come easy. The stuff that other people can't do that people do, it's only because they've been knocked down and they got up.
4: Yeah, exactly. And also, yeah, so going back, yeah, Jay, it was the first phone call I made when my dad passed away, which probably surprised me as well. And it's so funny that that it was like the funeral was packed like a clown car. Everyone my dad ever knew was there. And this lady, a couple pews behind us when Jay got up to speak and Jay and I were going on all these TV shows acting crazy as part of the David Letterman story. And uh, this lady behind us whispered, the Hardings hired an actor for the funeral. This family doesn't miss a trick. And it's kind of like, how did she not know that, you know, Jay and I uh, were connected, but it was very sweet. He said uh, great things. And yeah, exactly. Uh, and and fast, fast forwarding, it never gets easier. I don't go back to like, you know, Nashville today and all the doors are open. And everyone's like, let's just record a JT Harding song. I still have to try to write the best song right. in town that day. Who even knows what that song is, is going to be. So or even putting a book out. It's like, Hey man, you know, let's get some promotion. Let me call ML. Let me talk to these people. Yeah. Once you're kind of, once you're having some success, you just have to keep, you know, pushing the gas. I guess that's just the way that the world works, but it's, uh, it's fun, you know?
1: Yeah. Well, you know, now you're guaranteed a bestseller since you talked your way onto this show. (laughs) 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 It's all gravy from here, son. So I if can't you want
4: to see the kids at Defer Elementary, Bananas Magazine or uh Party Like a Rockstar. Yeah, yeah, okay, do, you, yeah. do you
1: want dynamite or highlights? Which, which one <laughs> are you gonna get from the Scholastic Book Club? You know, <laughs> when I was growing up, we were poor as hell. But the one thing my mom always says when that scholastic book club came along, you can get as many books as you like, and we would always, yes. we'd always get it Dynamite. It was so
4: exciting waiting for them. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I yeah. have a copy, I have a copy of Dynamite magazine with Mork and Mindy on it with Mork and guess who's standing next to him on the cover. And I had it when I was a kid. Jay Thomas. Jay Thomas. Yeah. We need some graphics for this podcast. I know. (laughs) Well, the funny thing is too. So
1: after I met JT, he said, oh, can you find that picture you took? And I thought, shit, man, I don't think they have an archives at Gross Point South High School from 1985. And I said, you know, well, you know, I'll, I'll look around. And I thought this is never going to happen. Well, then we got hit by the flood. And so as we're taking stuff out of the basement, I'm going through all these boxes of shit that I wouldn't have looked through until, actually probably my kids would have looked through, if they even looked through them when I died. And there was the picture in there, along with some other pictures of Dirty Tricks, and some pictures I shot of John Lowry, who's now John 5, who it turns out had played in a band with JT. He also played in a band with my brother, and they used to gig at this bowling alley, which on Sunday nights would be called the Falcon Rock Fortress. Can you give us a Falcon story before we let people know how they can see you when you come to Detroit and how they can buy your book?
4: I would love it. I'm listening to Wheels or WRF, the Falcon Rock Fortress. And then I see the ad in the paper, this eagle with guitars in its, in its feet. I'm only in eighth grade, but we won the Battle of Bands, so we figured out somehow to get a gig at the Falcon Rock Fortress. My mom has to take us there to get us in. We pull up and it says Falcon Lanes and like the L is blinking like the sun is too bright and you know I'm like this is a bowling alley (laughs) so we go into the backstage the couch looked like it had chicken pox there were so many cigarette burns in it and you could smell like beer the other band had already set up on the stage so we played on the floor now of course at the time it felt like Madison Square Garden to me but I was a little bit shocked that it was a bowling alley the Falcon Lanes I'm like I thought it was going to be a castle from like an Yngwie Malmsteen video Uh, (laughs) but But, you know, it was, but we played it, and it was great, and it was fantastic. And I got in a little, you know, like I said, uh, I was in, you know, eighth grade or something. I got in a little scuffle with the, not fighting, of course, um, with the with the band, the, the grown-up band that were Hairspring, they were seeding hairlines, you know. And uh, I, I got in a little trouble with them at that gig, too, which was fun, so that's in the book. <laughs> and, you know, what? they were probably great guys. Here's what their band was called. You guys probably remember them. Wizard.
1: Wizard. Wow. Not, not figures on a beach. It was wizard. Okay.
4: No, no, no. It wasn't second self. Gosh, I'm okay. still, I'm still trying to grow my hair like Andy Neera. That guy was a hero in high school. Now where was the Falcon? Do you remember? No, I don't remember, but it was definitely on the highway. A little, a little ways. Yeah. I have no idea.
1: Yeah. It was a tough play. They had high school bands. I mean, you know, there's these stories and more. And of course, when you see JT live, you're gonna have a lot more stories, a chance to interact with him, a chance to
4: get Man, his You know book. what would be so great if, if we found out that the ghoul was ML's real father. Wouldn't
3: that be great? <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, there's a lot of similarities there. Yes, my my, my real father
1: <laughs> is a horror show, but he was never on TV. So uh,
3: <laughs> we'll do good. that for
1: we'll do that for another episode. Um so Friday, March fourth, eight PM, twenty front street in Lake Orion. For 20 yes. bucks, you can come see JT. Here's some stories. Buy his book. You can find out more about that gig at 248 783 7105. Their website is 220frontstreet.com. That's one word. We will have a link to that on our website, which is mlsoulofdetroit.com, or come out and see me if I can get a ticket at the Cadu uh, Cafe. i got to buy one because they're selling fast. This gig, you'll get to see JT, and you'll get a book. That's 8 p.m. on Saturday, March 5th, at the Cadu Cafe. That's on Cadu, not too far from where we grew up in. It's in Detroit. It's an east side institution. They have some lanes, too, but for their, they're for feather bowling, not for... For big ball yeah, the, the
4: only thing louder than the bowling will be my jacket. Hey, you know what? <laughs> also, the 20 Front Street in Lake Orion, if you haven't been there, it's an incredible venue. It's very small, almost like church pews, but it's a, it'll be a wild, fun rock show. But um, all the money, the $20 goes to 20 Front Street because I know that uh, the quarantine and all that was very hard on them, so I can't wait to get there. I'll be singing all the hit songs I've written, like on an acoustic guitar with a couple of buddies backing me up. And the book will be there. Same thing at Cadu Cafe. But I just, um, I'm so glad that these venues are still open and I'm so excited to to be back. Can you work a Joan Osborne song in there for us? Yeah, well, well, that's the only song of hers I know. Hey, you know what? (laughs) Better king for a day than schmuck for a lifetime, I say, you know.
1: I'm (laughs) I'm on the latter track, so I'm glad you're on the former track. So, JT. Thanks
4: so much for having me, all
1: you guys. Yeah, we're looking forward to seeing you when you get back in town. The name of the book is... Party Like a Rockstar, The Crazy, Coincidental, Hard Luck, and Harmonious Life of a Songwriter by our own J.T. Harding. J.T., great to see you again, and we thank will you. see you on the at the Cadu and on Front Street. That's March 4th and March 5th. That's a Friday and a Saturday. Come on, make plans, thank get out everybody. there, support Sean, these places.
4: Mark, thank you very much, and uh, you'll know my book because the font on it and on the spine... Yeah. Our, our replicas of WRIF stickers, <laughs> baby. How can I not? Hey, guys, thanks so much. I appreciate it. Thanks for keeping the music and all the good vibes alive on the soul of Detroit.
0: <laughs> thanks, JT. Thank
4: you. There
0: you go. Oh, man, the geeks have inherited the earth.
1: Did I do that? What
2: a dork. Does him wanting to play with us again mean that he's turning into a geek or we're turning into cool guys?
1: So, even back in high school, when JT definitely had kind of that, that rocker look in his eye, you know, sort of, you know, like, hey, man, kind of edgy, kind of punky in a place where uh, the preppy handbook was like a Bible, he was always still a super nice dude, like a very easy guy to deal with, not, not standoffish or anything. So, it's really great to see him having all this success. Although I, I must say, I've never seen him quite that hyper.
3: What a story, though, man. Oh, yeah. Well, a and hustler.
1: We scratch the surface, man. Yeah, those
0: no stories the are great. I especially liked that he clapped after his own stories.
1: Like he said, man, if, if we'll somebody's going to clap, yeah, I think
0: so too. So,
1: so I think <laughs> you should
0: start doing that. I. Now he just it, pats himself. On the yeah. Back.
1: No. Every every time I speak, well, that's more I, of a
0: metaphor. Yeah.
1: <laughs> every time I speak, I hear applause. I didn't. I thought that was understood, and I feel a little perspiration from the angels weeping. But uh, you know, so one of my daughters who uh, you know gets gets uptight about stuff. She does. She's like one of these crazy people that gets uptight about stuff, but then when she gets on stage, it's, it's like a revelation. She did some stand-up in a talent show one time, and she told everybody to get up and start clapping. That was the first joke she told. People didn't really realize it at the time. And she said, well, great, no matter what happens, I can tell people I got a standing ovation at this game." Well, that's gig. a good way to start. So sometimes, you know, you got to get the applause however you can get you it. Do. You so, do. Uh, so, yeah, 30,000 people telling you you suck.
0: It's like pushing the car before you pop the clutch. Who put him between Slipknot and Linkin Park and thought that was a good idea? With a string
3: guitar. I could have told you that would have been a, the the crowd would not have liked that.
1: Maybe Linkin Park was a little, you know, mean-spirited. Maybe this was all part of a prank. Ah, they saved, Chester saved him though. Maybe he was trying to play
0: acoustic, acoustic music in front of an audience that wanted Ozzy Osbourne. That's exactly what it was, yeah.
1: Yeah, Well, I don't know. I, I can compete with that story, except I haven't and, and quite had 30,000 people tell me I saw it. I don't talk. think it's, that's
0: manly enough, right? It's much smaller groups. That's what it comes down to. It's so. a different type of music.
1: Yeah. Well, anyways, we are at our Geek of the Week, and Robin Folsom is our geek this week. Now, you probably don't know about Robin, but you may have heard her story because colleagues were preparing to congratulate her on her latest bundle of joy when something very strange happened. One of her colleagues said, Hey, that baby bump? Uh, it looks like it's... a." Uh, like, detach from your body. Oh. Yeah. So, uh, so this was not uh, a preemie. This was a hustle. And so, they reported she's a state employee. It appears that she was trying to tap into some, some uh, paid family leave. And so, they reported it. And then, the inspector general started digging around. And then, they said, oh, hey, wait a minute. Um, you've been showing some pictures of your other baby. And then they said, Well, wait a minute, the pictures appear to be inconsistent and depict children with various <laughs> skin tones. So it looks like oh, man. her other baby wasn't really her other baby and she didn't even bother getting the same picture of her other not real baby baby. Why did why did, where did she share them on social media? Why even bother? Yeah, I, I think it was just something that she probably passed around. People said, How's the kid? Because it's sort of like These people have the fake cancer scares. At some point, you either have to die or be cured. And if you're cured, you know, you probably have to have some pictures of yourself bald and skinny and going to chemo. So it's like, a, a, I guess, it's literally a proof of life thing. So she had to keep up this artifice that she'd already had a kid. And no one really probably paid too much attention until they realized, oh, wait a minute. She's not... Having this kid, I wonder about those other kids. Oh, and an idiot. I imagine people got together and say, "Hey, wait, oh yeah." And then you know, there's always when a when a scammer starts to be revealed, people start seeing, "Oh yes." And uh, then you
3: connect all the dots. Yeah,
1: and it turns out how much trouble is this lady in? Well, it turns out that you know, really, neighbors did figure that guy next door was a serial killer. You just haven't talked to enough neighbors, <laughs> or the neighbors don't want to be candid because they're like, until this guy's convicted and put away for life, I'm not going to tell people about the missing cats in the neighborhood. Well, she is in a shitload of trouble because on February tenth, a Fulton County grand jury—that's in Georgia—indicted Folsom on three felony counts of making false statements and one felony count of identity fraud, which is weird. Did Mm. she identify? Did she uh, fraudulently identify a pregnant woman, or is it because maybe the other baby got benefits? I'm not really sure what happened there but she's facing a maximum and get this uh, folks who would like to get some extra time off some extra paid time off she's facing up to 25 years in prison and up to a hundred and three thousand dollars in fines i think the extra three thousand dollars is just because they can that's a weird number to come up with but if she's found guilty of all these charges she'll be getting some time off at our expense but it will be in the big house and not in the baby's nursery so robin folsom you who may be singing the Folsom Prison Blues are a Geek of the Week.
2: See you again. If <laughs> there's an all-night party in <laughs> run to 7609 oh, La-la-la-la-la oh, And you can dance together all night You've got the time <laughs>
1: So, you know, we like to invite people to uh, nominate songs for Room 7609 where we take a look at new wave bands that had a great tune that maybe you missed or bands that you overlooked in the first place. And JT, he's our resident music expert, so who's to argue with JT? This week, he suggests that we play China by Red Rider, and afterwards, we're going to debate the merits of this as a new wave song. But remember, JT knows what he's talking about.
2: Dance with wind and dance with fire Kill the truth and called the wire Please when the moon begins to fall Dreamers are not all they see Sleeping in her silent dream She locks it all inside And hides it all away
0: Jojo!
1: It feels a little more ballady to me, almost like um, like just kind of straight up poppy rock from that era. And and if you look up Red Rider, God. they're listed as you know album oriented rock slash new wave. But the only person who who probably likes Room Seven Six Zero Nine, who's been on the show more than Sean and JT, is Jerry Vile, and uh, he loves that. And and he he suggested some good songs, and some of which we'd already played. So I felt pretty good about that. JT, when I invited him to pick a song, the first thing he suggested was A Girl in Trouble is a Temporary Thing by Romeo Void, which we've already played, so we're on the right track. Then he came up with China by the Red Rockers, which, uh, which I thought was an interesting piece. I actually bought Naruda, which is one of their albums that came out in the early 80s, and I think Warehouse Records in Ann Arbor. Oh, yeah. Lots of great tunes on it. The, the front man is a guy named Tom Cochran. They're a Canadian band. And you probably I mean, know Life them from... Life is
3: a Highway Tom Cochran?
1: Life is a Highway Tom <laughs> Cochran, yes. That's what he did when he was a solo actor. The, the, the hit that Red Rockers had was uh, Lunatic Fringe.
0: Uh, Red Rider, right? Or Red, Red Rider. Rider? I'm sorry. Yeah. Red Rider. Now, I remember Lunatic yeah. Fringe. It's yeah. hard to keep those Which two Which doesn't separate. sound nearly as new wave as China.
1: Right, and, and new wave to me, uh, you know, China's kind of okay, but they this is another one of our new wave tunes that has appeared in Miami Vice. A lot of these these tunes are in the uh, in the background of Miami Vice, which I never thought is a very new wave show. But it's kind of weird how the '80s oh, is sort of so, a yeah. a melange, mm-hmm. which is a French word for shit mixed together.
0: Well, people associate Phil Collins probably more than anything with that show oh, in yeah. terms of the music, right? Yeah, because of the drums, yeah. you know. Yeah, and Jan so, Hammer. Oh, oh, he, he did he did, the, he did the so- yeah. soundtrack, right? Yeah.
1: yeah, the only musician uh, named name, by a Shakespeare. What? hand me Jan hammer so i can oh my God, smite thou re- i think it was in hamlet did you remember that part when he goes after his no dad no one
0: remembers that yeah. no Just that's, that's good though when he Just had the snubs. poison goblet nice reference
1: no i think it was a poison sword anyway so jt says it's new wave um sounds like sean is buying it sounds like mark is buying it i'm yeah, it's all right
3: i'm, I'm it's willing, definitely new wave i'm
1: willing to let it pass but i think uh, actually i like a lot of other stuff by red rider better there's a uh, human race is one of their they're uh, they're hey, uh, Red
3: Rider or Red Rockers because you're confusing the two now.
1: Well, he he called them Red Rockers,
3: but it's really it's Red Rider. No, those are two different bands. But does Red Rockers have China? Yeah. What? That's Red Rockers. Did China? Red Rider is a totally different band. So no
0: wonder Lunatic Friends yeah. sounds nothing like totally what we just Totally different heard. band. Okay. All right. So next yeah. week
1: on Room Seven. Well, but you know what? When I told when I when I was so JT and I were corresponding, by said uh, we haven't played Red Rockers. But I bought Neruda at Warehouse Records in Annabelle, and I love Can't Turn Back. He didn't correct me. So next week on Room 7609, stay tuned for what's turning into our China month. So I think we had China Crisis to start the month. I we mean- will be playing China by Red. So what are, the, what are the odds that you have two bands with Red in the name, and the second word is R, and they both have a song called China?
3: Yeah, and they're definitely New Wave, Red Rockers, not Red Riders.
1: So I think we have played Red Rockers And because you were saying to me I before thought, I thought we had played. Them I think before. we've played Red Rockers. Uh yeah, we've played China before. I said, no, we haven't. <laughs> so I was thinking Red Rider because uh
3: I don't know it was worth it just to hear you confuse them. Right, Sean? So yes. just to have set
1: them. the record straight, I, <laughs> I want to apologize to Matthew Stafford.
3: Tom Cochran had nothing to do with China. What do you want to apologize you know, to Matthew t- Stafford? For? Tom Cochran had everything to do with China. No, that's Red Rockers.
0: Why do you want to apologize to
1: Matthew wait, Stafford? Wait. Did you play Red Rockers or Red Rider?
3: I thought I played Red Rockers.
1: Oh, maybe you did. What did I tell you to play? This show. No, I said play China by Red Rider. Oh, okay. We'll get this straightened out. I promise. By
3: next week. Too bad Red Rockers did that song we played.
1: Sean comes back and he immediately creates chaos.
0: Why are you apologizing to Matthew Stafford? Can he not leave his house as he curl up in a fetal position in his corner waiting on your apology? What's going on? Well, is that what you were? No, oh, I'm curious. What? What? Well, because there was some concern that it took me
1: it took me too long to apologize to to Matthew Stafford. Before I just want to say that I I'm, I promptly and without hesitation apologize to Red Rider, Red Rockers, and everybody who was confused by what just happened. And Matthew myself.
0: Stafford did, did did anybody talk? You know, you know who see? doesn't
1: apologize promptly?
0: Who? Juan Howard. Howard. I knew that was coming. Oh, yeah, right. That did take too long. that was a big problem. It was a big problem. He could have changed it. Well, I know we're going to talk about that in a second, but real quickly, did any of y'all see, either of y'all see the drunk
3: Matthew Stafford? No.
0: No. What do you mean during the parade? Oh he yeah, got that and- version. Yeah, I thought you meant there was a so, bit or something. Yeah. Never seen that version. I know here. it's it great. It was.
1: We had nothing to celebrate for ten years.
0: Well, not not no. He was just being oh, himself. Very, he was very yeah, guarded. Absolutely. here. Um, did you hear him do well, the he podcast? He
1: got he got, he got criticized oh. here for how he wore his hat. I mean, come on.
3: I had to tell you, I I've grown to really like him because I I thought. You know, he's never going to win a Super Bowl. This guy, you Not know, here. he's a number one draft pick. He's never going to live up to that, blah, 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 blah. I mean, all those stupid hot takes that you have to have when you're doing sports radio. And it really blinded me to, like, what kind of person. He's a really good dude. And then hearing him post-Super Bowl do that podcast with his wife, it's like, oh yeah, I could hang out with this guy. This guy's a fucking blast because... He was hammered on that <laughs> podcast. And, and, and then you and see bitching. why. He was bitching about having to go to Disney. <laughs>
0: all the former players of his, mostly Lions. And they all right? returned to, to the, the Super the, Bowl. In the yeah. week, yeah, in the week or two, a couple of weeks leading up to the Super Bowl, we're all talking about how great he was and how great he was in the locker room. And we're like, well, you don't see it, and they lost. But you got we I, got a glimpse of that. There's a lot to like about the guy. You know, it's amazing. Yeah.
1: Well, he was criticized here for not being assertive enough, for not being a leader, for being kind of bland, for wearing his hat backwards on the sidelines. I mean, it seemed like there's nothing just, this is just guy.
3: picking on him, man, really. Well, it was, but I think
1: one of the reasons why he took a lot of heat, and, and maybe it wouldn't have made a difference because when the team doesn't win, it doesn't matter what a great guy you are, but he was. he seemed to be so guarded. I mean, I think there was... No one got to see. That's refreshing these days behind maybe. the veil, except for maybe
3: Hank Winchester, who
1: That's... actually was hilarious on the Drew and Mike show when you guys called him in L.A.
3: He was assaulted and, by Jeff Bezos, and
1: he was at the party um, with Kelly and uh, with
0: that receiver who used to be um, Chris Durham. Yeah, who used to play
1: yeah. in, at Georgia.
0: Where uh, where Matthew Stafford did win that bowl game? So are we gonna are we gonna let the feedback get us into Howard or are we gonna no? Talk? So we
1: first can... we're gonna thank our generous supporters, including Bryant, who gives to this show so regularly. It should be called Bryant's Soul of Detroit. He and Kristen and a couple other people are are really uh, really appreciated here because uh, I think everybody knows the media struggles and sponsorships are hard to come by. So we rely to some extent on the generous donations of our listeners, and so we're grateful for that continued to support. If you're one of those people who would like to support us, or maybe you've just come into a lot of money and have no idea what to do with it, or maybe, maybe you just feel like it's time to do your bit to support the show where this is our 142nd episode. If you've been on the sidelines waiting to throw a few, a few pennies our way, it's really easy. Right, Mark?
3: Yes, uh, mlsoladetroit.com, little donate button. We do greatly appreciate it.
1: Yeah, just hit it. PayPal will do all the rest. And we, uh, we also accept sponsorships. If you'd like to sponsor a particular episode, if you'd like to sponsor us for a month or a couple weeks, if you have an event coming up, if you have a product or a business that you'd like to raise the profile, we are one of the top news commentary podcasts in the country and, uh, and occasionally in the Ukraine. Uh, yeah. which may change, not yeah. because we won't be popular, but because there might not be a Ukraine. So, um, And and by the way, we do show up in the charts in Canada, so I'm probably going to get some calls saying, Red Rider's different, eh? So uh, <laughs> those calls would come into 313-288-9070. That's 313-Butterfield-89070, where you can leave us a voicemail. In theory, nobody ever does, but we'd love it because we would play it on the air, so test our theory. And you can always write to us at mlsolvedetroit at Gmail. That's what Jim did when he said a person at work grabbed my elbow to get my attention. So I slapped him. I was immediately fired bright side. I can now listen to you. Mark and Sean record the podcast live instead of waiting to listen on my drive home. That
3: guy clearly uh, did not make uh, $2. <laughs> two and a half million dollars. He must not have been that important to his company.
1: I, I think Jim is speaking <laughs> with tongue in cheek.
3: Of course he is a
1: cheek that uh, that if he had turned, he wouldn't have gotten in trouble. No, no, I'm talking about Juwan Howard now, look, who should have
3: turned. I'm not. I don't want to get. I, look, what Juwan did was wrong, but to equate what happens in the world of sport to what happens in your office is Brian a little, Dickerson
0: did that today. It's a little He's ludicrous. A op-ed columnist for the Detroit pre Press. He, he did that today. Made yeah. him the same. What, if you did that in your office? He just office talked course? about, you know, he's lucky he was in the sports world because you, you get different. second chances. Well, he's also an investment
3: of, what, about $2.5 million by the university to be a head coach. I mean, yeah, I'm not, not sure the gonna, money
0: has anything to do with it. Well, and, but you're in, not going to bail that, on it. In regards to that. You're not going to bail for that. You know? well, this
1: is his second time. I'd say third time. There's no question. You're right.
3: It cannot happen again.
1: Strike three. Most people don't get three strikes. And, of course, there's strikes that he got because
0: First time getting something. physical, but second time losing his temper. Sure. Well, yeah, you're right. Yeah, because he didn't he didn't punch Turgeon. Mm-mm.
1: Yeah. No. I mean,
0: it, nobody had to be held back.
1: Sure. So, so I, you know, I guess I look at this and I say, okay, I'm, I'm, uh, not that anybody asked me, but I'm okay that he's only suspended for the rest of the season. But as a coach, you really have to set a tone and example for your players. And, and one of the things that really, there are two things that really bothered me. First of all, uh, after the game, his 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 uh, the way he handled us complete disaster. I mean, absolute, absolute wrong way to do it. But second of all, and I guess chronologically, first of all, after a game, when your handshake line, if you've had some kind of conflict during the game and you're bitching at somebody and somebody touches your arm or grabs your elbow to say, Hey coach, I want to let you know what happened or Hey coach, what's the big deal. You should not lose your shit. And I hear, I hear him getting, uh, some grace, because somebody touched him, it's like, really? Basketball is well, a physical I, sport. You're in a handshake line with a bunch of people. If somebody says, "Hey, I want to try and tell you what happened," and you lose your shit,
3: I really think the slap. Bad. I really think the slap happened because when Krabenhoff, the assistant coach for Wisconsin, came in, he shoved Terrence Williams. He did, and I think he was trying to honestly like grab, and it turned into a slap. But you can't do that anyway.
1: No, but you the- don't touch another team's player, and and that guy, you know, in hockey, third man, oh, he's he, up, you, you he's- get the gate, and that that Wisconsin assistant coach yeah. should get a raft of shit. But but he but
3: Howard said one of the things that no, set him didn't. off,
0: and that I think is bull. That's the only. Uh- of real bullshit i thought guard should have gotten a game because I, I don't i don't agree with mike oh uh,
3: but what
1: so a man touches got you fine
0: 10 grand right a
1: man touches he you and violated you the, the
0: sportsmanship policy according to the big 10 he got fined ten thousand dollars but they were too that was soft that was constant's paying for it. exactly that and they made that very clear when a guy walks by you and says i'll remember that doesn't even look at you and keeps walking and you know he's that heated let him go yeah, pretty much. And he didn't touch him. He stopped him. He didn't stop him. And there's a difference. And then Juwan should not have grabbed him and pointed no, his finger at him. Juwan uh, quickly escalated. Honestly, great. Juwan had yeah. a fistful a, of his jersey and put his finger in his face. Juwan, Juwan had no excuse to do any of this. No, and Juwan,
3: honestly, should not have been that mad about the timeout.
0: <clears throat> no, he shouldn't. He was pressing. Because who cares? Even though he said it wasn't a press. Th- there's a, a Five-man pressure.
3: Juwan Howard has a problem
1: that we've seen. And I'll tell you what, I've been in a lot of handshake lines after a lot of nasty games. Me too. And if somebody grabs you and says, hey, I want to tell you something, you don't lose your shit. Now, if they tell you something like, hey, I want to tell you something, your mother's a whore, then you drop them.
3: There's, there's part but, of me that likes the fire, fi- but, like the tur- that, Mark, with, with what happened last year in Mark Turgeon. I think it's fine. I like I tur- that, I think, but I, Yes. I think it's, I, did, I didn't quite, like he said, I'll
0: much. fucking kill you to Turgeon. Eh. But I think it's fine that he turned to guard and said, don't t- don't fucking touch me, which is, I think, he's actually sure. he said.
1: And then if guard lets go and moves on, then we're done. And right? they
0: did. But to so- Mark's point, it was 15 seconds later, and he was still so heated. Yeah. And, and Krabbenhoff, then we saw sure. Krabbenhoft kind of move. I don't know if he shoved him. Is it fair to call what he did a shove? It's... It's well, a little inconclusive, but he he gra- he definitely touched him yeah. and grabbed him, and you and you can't do that. To your point, you
1: can't. Yeah. So so if guard is like, hey, I want to tell the other coach something because we're they're going to get on, they're going to do their press conference, they're going to go in the they're going to the locker room, they're going to do their press conference, they're getting on the bus. I have one chance to tell Juwan, hey, dude, I just this for my scrubs. I don't want my scrubs to get shown up. You understand that, right? I think if he impedes him to say something like that, there's nothing, absolutely nothing wrong with that. Now, when Juwan Howard says. Get the hell out of my face. At that point, everybody pulls back. And so, this assistant coach, that's the dude for Wisconsin. I'd give him a couple games. I'd yeah, give nothing. him the rest of the season. Actually, he didn't get fined. No, no right. But, but I'm just saying that when, when, when two guys are going to fight, you let them fight. And if they decide not to fight, you don't come in here and say, let me pour a little gas on this. No, you
3: pull your own, you pull your own guys off. Yeah. You and do. I, would,
1: I would almost say that that dude is worse than Juwan. Because he saw, he had enough time to see this situation was red hot, and he decided to get involved. But Juwan Howard's a coach. He sets the tone. It's not his first time. Absolutely. And and you touch me after a game, I may step off. I say step off, and if you don't, then we go toes. But this whole thing about I got touched, come on, man. No, no, no. He made
0: the the mistake after the, first of all, he made a couple of mistakes to me he made right after the game in the post-game news conference. One, he did not apologize. He should have said, no matter what happened before, whatever I thought led up to that, I had no business and no excuse taking a swing. Yep. He should have said that right off the top before he took a single question. The second thing is when he said I was defending myself, or he, I was defending myself, it made it sound like that's what he was doing when he took a swing at Krabbenhoff. Right. When I think what he meant was he was talking about guard yes. and grabbing right. guard and saying, don't fucking touch me. Yeah, that. So it made it sound like he carried that over. And, and I think that was an enormous mistake. I don't understand why Ward Manuel or whomever else at Michigan, because they had 10 minutes before he got to that press conference, didn't get weren't tuned. on the cell. Maybe they, I'm sure they did talk. Yeah. But why didn't he coach him about you need to go in there and show contrition immediately? Well, why don't, immediately, you, why don't you
1: FOIA those cell phone records to see if a call was made because it may be it went to voicemail because Juwan Self-fist. doesn't seem like he want to talk to anybody.
0: That's, in, that's entirely, and, that's and entirely we know And we
1: know at the University of Michigan – as at Michigan State and at most major universities, the athletic director is not the boss.
0: No, of course not. It's the superstar and the, and, coach. And, and, no, no, no.
1: It's the superstar coach. A coach can get an AD fired. I don't know that an AD can get a coach fired.
0: No, no, no. The the decisions. Is that, that not true? The, uh, no, yeah. the, his five. Games Jim
1: Harbaugh is, and Juwan Howard are not bigger than Ward Emanuel. No, they
0: are. Well, of there. course they are, yeah. but they're not bigger than the university. Yeah, I don't. I right. don't. I don't well, think that's uh, right. I don't but,
1: think
3: Brady Hoke was bigger than Dave Brandon. Yeah, it depends on what uh, you're doing. Depends on what you're that's doing a battle as
1: a coach. Of the ants. Well, no, you're right. The piss ants. Here, here's
0: the other thing for me, real quickly, if I may. That when he took the no. swing, he when oh, no, he took ahead. the swing and Krabbenhoff, because what Krabenhoff did wasn't violent necessarily as much as, and maybe the Big Ten didn't find him or suspend him because they were trying to, they didn't feel comfortable, uh, parsing out content or figuring out con, uh, not content, intent. Sorry. In that scrum, right? Mm-hmm. Was Kravenhoff in there immediately uh, to try to de-escalate, and then it got out. Of, I don't know. I Is there hard enough? To believe no. I'm I'm with you, yeah. but I think that's what happened on on the Big Ten's in
1: parsing out who got the thesaurus for their. Oh, no,
0: sorry, I meant and, I meant uh, trying to figure so it out. Did did the University of Michigan? Add no, parsing three?
1: out was the right term. But when it's he took the swing,
0: what happened? All of a sudden, three players then yeah. took swings. So Howard swing, Jawan Howard swing is directly responsible, more than anything else, for three players taking swings. And that's what I wrote about today in my column about, I think the reason those three guys only got one game, let me just say this. If Musa Deyabate, the freshman forward for Michigan, had been in a handshake line and just randomly took a swing at a Wisconsin player, he probably would have been suspended the rest of the season. Probably charged with assault too. Right? Yeah, But because he did it in the larger context of his coach, he only got one game. Same with Terrence Williams. Same with uh, Jacoby uh, Neath, I think, mm-hmm. the, the guard for Wisconsin. Because Howard had set that tone and because in our society, even though they're technically adults in some ways, they're kids in a lot of other ways. And I wrote that in the column today. They can drive a car, but they can't rent one. Right? They can vote, but they can't buy a beer. They, don't they can pay. buy a lottery ticket, but they're not allowed in a casino. They're not employees. Right. So in, in in our society, we don't consider a 19 and 20. They're in this nether world between adulthood and childhood. And it's up to the Howards of the world to set the tone. Well, and, and you know, earlier in that game, um, Devonte Jones, uh,
3: the, the point guard, is that his name? Did I mess up the yeah. name? No, that's Devonte right. Jones, right? He got um, fouled. The guy kicked him. Wisconsin's guy kicked him. Do you remember that early? Was, early it, was game?
0: it Brad Davison that kicked him? Oh, boy, I can't remember which guy kicked him. He's a, he's got a rep as a dirty player. But what for did Wisconsin? Jones do? He walked away. Yeah, you know. So it's like, well, what did uh, the what players do? What did play? Ohio State's coach do the week before? When Howard called a timeout with 35 seconds left and his team was down 14 or 15 or whatever it was in Chrysler Arena.
3: It's funny. I, I appreciated your column because I hadn't heard anybody write that about the players because I, I got really annoyed. And, and this is just the way social media is afterwards. And I agree with you, ML. But for people to go, hey, he was assaulted. He's just defending his honor. is fucking ludicrous. As is, he should be fired, I thought was you know the other end of the, um, the scale, which is ludicrous. But then to see all these think pieces coming out that like, well, what if he was white and he was black and this happened this it's like, you know what? You should see my inbox. That didn't fucking happen though. He is black, guard is white. That's the situation oh, is what it is. Okay, Why real do quick, we have to examine okay, it? Okay, real quickly.
0: Inbox? no, because I've been my inbox this morning has been full of well, if he if if he were white. But he's not. He would be fired. but let's just tackle that just for one second. Let's just say real quickly. What he had he he wasn't,
1: what he had to push two guys. Bobby to Knight was. No, no, it. no let's Mike just wrote.
0: say let's just say that's true. Let's just say that's true. And I'm not saying that's true. I don't agree with that at all, but let's just say it is. For argument's sake, that he, if he were white, right, that he would have been fired. Or if guard had been the I'll one b- to take I'll the swing, so. that he would have been fired. Why are we so upset about that? It was 400 years one way. And so we're going to lean the other way for a few years and we're going to be that mad about that. We're going to be that entitled. We're going to be, the, the, the grievance is going to be that strong? I, I think Let it's, it balance out a little bit.
3: Well, Jesus it's, Christ. It's, it's one incident, and I would just rather look at the incident as it is.
1: Well, no, nobody wants to be caught on the unfair side. Nobody wants to be caught on the makeup side. I mean, I understand what you're saying. That- Plenty
0: of people are fine with that. What do you mean nobody? Sorry, I don't mean to take it out on you.
1: I've, I've had 100 on. I've, I've had, just been listening to it all morning. I've had 142 exasperate. episodes of injustice
3: I just so hoped it would spin my side so what are most people emailing to you that oh if he was white he
0: would have been I'm fired. starting to get that and part of this is because Jason Whitlock former ever and yeah, our ever- no, ever- no, news column who, who's a, a right- wing uh you know whatever he's completely changed the way he looks at the world in the last 10 years
3: which whatever From- that's fine it's fine it's what he does I'm, maybe it is for money It it's worked for him if that's the way in he, any
0: case he wrote a column yesterday jason whitlock
3: thing. is black he's become right. yeah. kind of the conservative black he has and
0: he wrote school. a column yesterday saying this very thing that if that that oh. howard's lucky he's not white or he'd been fired he did leave out you know the fact that michigan because he was saying because it's michigan this liberal institution it's like they
3: fired two black coaches before because it's sports. Yeah, but sports.
1: Here, here's the other bullshit. It's sports. Bl- it's
3: pretty – Black, uh,
1: white, you know, we can debate that, but I think we can't debate if he'd been a losing coach, he would have been fired, right? I mean, Juwan Howard has had success, so they're going to hold on to him a little longer. If he had been struggling and that happened,
3: they might say, I, 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 don't, I don't know. Out that, you go. I don't know if they, if they would have
0: fired him. I mean, even maybe. if he was a losing
3: coach. I, it, I don't know.
0: I, if, if he'd done it before, if he – I mean, Sure. If he takes a swing, the, the next time he takes a swing, he's gone. Oh, it's over, right? yeah. I mean, it's done. Uh, he's not going to get three chances to do that. It's going to be one more.
1: Brian Ellerby might have gotten yes. fired on the first punch because mm. he ran a losing program. Gary Moeller, white guy, got fired for an incident that no one actually witnessed where he was, I mean, we we can't independently witness it is it And, and, and he was
0: drunk. Right, yeah.
1: So, I mean, it, it has happened to white coaches have been fired after one incident. Now, there may be a personnel file that says, hmm, you know, behind it, but I think in sports... White and black, there are definitely some some stuff going on there, but it's winning and losing that, yes. that saves your ass. Yeah. And if 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 this had been third if this had been the third season in a row I, that Juwan Howard was not going to make the tournament, he would have been fired. Well, like, Second incident, three losing seasons, black, white, plaid, Juwan Howard is gone. But he's been a successful coach. He's an icon with the program. And uh and they're gonna give him another chance.
3: That brings me to my my kind of my next question for you sean because i can't figure out this answer because you know they have a handbook in the big 10 when something happens and the discipline for this kind of event is two games did michigan add three on in the big 10s taking credit for it like how, how does that work do you think
0: well that the, i under my understanding is that they worked together so if michigan's involved in the process then they can add whatever they want right yeah I don't know, or whatever word you want to use, but if they were working together, they could have suspended the rest of the season. If this, What's if, in, if this, if there were twenty games left in the season, it wouldn't be a twenty-game suspension, would it? Still be five? It just that's almost, a good question. It almost it works might, out. It might perfectly. have been. It might have been ten, but if you notice in the press, and it duration, might have been
1: two. If Michigan was running the Big Ten, if they were one victory away from winning the Big no, Ten, no, I biggest, saw well, two.
0: I, I saw too much pushback from too many alums, Michigan alums, sure. Who wanted him gone? Right. Period. Which is or, ludicrous, I think. Right, but so there was too much push. But there was no way he was just going to get a couple of games, no. no matter what his record was. Right. It just. That's why five yeah. games left in the season was almost too perfect. But and then they left the door open to have him, um, not co- coach after that. Right. They're going to reconvene at the end of the regular season to decide oh, I didn't if he see that go, part. Yeah, that was in. Well, uh, it depends how these next five games go. Maybe. I, it, but not, oh, of course it but not winning or losing. It depends mm. on where. The, to me, that's an excuse to say, let's take the the political temperature in three weeks. Yeah, but the political and is temperature. And the story moved on, and do we want to deal with all these questions, how we're going down we'll to Indianapolis? We'll be past
1: it. That's, they're just playing for time there. Everybody's going to be
3: past that. But
0: That's what their hope is, if, for if sure. If they
3: win those five, if they go 4-1 and one in those, eh, okay,
0: suspension over. If
3: they go 0-5? Oh uh, maybe I really think
0: it's more about the the blowback and the image of the school. It's like why they fired Gary Moeller, right? Because it was the image, you know. And, and it happened on a very slow sports weekend too.
3: But
1: and back then they were That's truly slow news, an elite program. Whereas now I think they're really worried about falling out of the upper ech- echelon. And if they can't bring these great
3: coaches in, what? then boy, those are. Viewing that through green tinted glass. No, too. no. When when
1: Gary Moeller was a the coach, they were oh, just then. A, I'm th- yeah. I thought you meant now. With yeah. No, 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 no. That's what oh, I'm yeah, saying. Yeah, yeah. I said at, at, I think at that time there was a lot more confidence and swagger in Ann Arbor than there is now.
3: Where I, I think Sean, I think you had the nail on the head. The Moeller thing was just about being embarrassed because of those audio tapes were out there.
0: Well, it's the same with Ray Rice. Remember Ray Rice? Sure. It was a story when it leaked out that he had hit his girlfriend or abused uh, uh, hit. I mean, obviously, we didn't we hadn't seen the tape, but once the video was out, he was done. I wish more people would realize that you know, because people get so mad at the media and news. It's like, well, video is just
3: a huge component to it—the emotional audio, the emotional quality. That's why some things are a
0: story and some things aren't because there's video. Let me ask you guys this: Were either of you watching the game live?
3: Of course. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Were you terrible? Not. You're awful. Well, did you? Because when I I was I was actually going to write about it in relation to the NCAA tournament. Were so you I, there, so, by the way? No, no, no. I was watching at home. I was going to zoom in for the press conference. I was going to do a column just about their NCAA tournament chances, and I'm sitting there watching it. When I watched it live, I thought he punched him. Yeah. Until the replay, and then yeah. I could see. I mean, I went, "Oh my god!" And I got to right? tell you, it, it was shocking to watch live. I think watching it, like if you watched it without the audio on with the announcers,
3: or with I think I think that will kind of skew people's perception on it because uh who is that who is the play-by-play guy he's a really good guy i think liked him doing is it harlan is it was it kevin harlan i don't remember. i can't who remember was. who
0: it was sorry. but he was
3: so over the top about the fight you know naturally because it's something exciting going on that i think that kind of feeds into it but there was, i didn't think he was that
0: over top he was really, ugly, oh
3: man.
1: i thought he
0: was that was ugly
1: i want to hear sean mcdell Mado- oh he's trouble with the slap <laughs> another great michigan moment never so, heard it so let, let me ask you guys about the other the other element of this that's come out that I think, and in terms of disrespect, when you slap a man, that's disrespectful. Just punch him. Anyway. Well, I think he was trying to grab him. I really do. Uh, well, at any rate. That um, was a swing. The, the, uh, the thing that when. when Can't uh, do either, but. Yeah. When Howard, and I'm going to attribute this to Howard because that's what the university did. They attributed it to Howard. He apologized with a statement. Does anybody have a problem? Sure. with yeah. the apology coming out on a piece of paper 100%. that may or may not have been written by him. One hundred percent. I mean, to, Sean, what, what do you? How do you feel about that?
0: I don't love it, but that's just how our um, the, uh, our culture works. Period. Sports, bullshit. not sports. When somebody but, makes a mistake, Sean, we see statements all the time. I and it's bullshit. Because, well, of course it is, but it's it's not like he's the first person to do this. He is. He's falling in line with how you – know, it, it, doesn't it feel to y'all like this is just all so goddamn lawyered up? Everything. Well, yeah, I think but, that's why he didn't say anything. Well, I understand. I think that's why he didn't say anything uh, Sunday evening when it started to get really bad and then all day yesterday. Uh,
3: Everybody sees through it. So
1: I think there's an alternative you know? to I, I, that that doesn't involve blasphemy. I think that he doesn't feel sorry, and I think that that statement was released – at probably. bayonet point, and 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 yeah, and, probably. And, and Sean, you're absolutely right. We we have gotten to a point as a society, as a media, where people can you know respond to questions by email. You know, it used to be by fax, and now yeah. we don't even. Well,
0: and they're afraid to say the wrong thing, right? Because of the well, the the, the, but, but the public thing is, relations and and lawyers. To let me, me let if let me you're you genuinely
1: ex- contrite, you appear. I mean, you face the music. That's that's part of being a man. If we want to get into the whole, who's a man, who's what. I? I don't
0: think it's his decision though. That's that's what I'm trying to say. This is oh, I I, I haven't the seen anything administration from of the university all getting together and their top PR people on that campus getting together. That's weak. That's
3: just weak though. I agree, but Buggers, this is honestly, what
0: happened, right? He could have read that statement and put it out on
3: Twitter like a video, or, of him. or did did I, what D'Antonio he did. Could have read. I mean, I, we're talking about video. It's like when Mary
0: Sue Coleman didn't show more contrition. Or not Mary Sue Coleman. Excuse me. Um. The the Michigan state president uh, uh Luanne Simon. Luann Simon didn't show contrition uh, immediately with Nasser and she was so afraid to get out there and speak. Well, she was and, also in some legal trouble. No, yeah, she herself. right, but it's the it's the same idea.
1: Oh, I don't think so. And lawsuits have been filed there and she hadn't well the question was what did she know? It wasn't what had she done. The, the, the thing, you know, so Juwan Howard has been suspended so presumably he has time to spare. But he could have done what D'Antonio did when, uh, when Sports Illustrated went crazy on Michigan State. Come out, made a statement, say, I'm coming out, I'm making a statement, I'm not going to take any questions. Made a statement, and if he decided, well, I'll answer one or two questions. Answer one or two questions and jet. But I do think <coughs> excuse me, it's imperative when you're a leader who's failed to provide leadership to then on the back end do as much as you can to show, I'm going to stand up. I'm going to face this. I'm going to set an example for my guys. I'm going to show them that I'm sorry. I'm not ashamed. I'm willing to take some questions, and I'm going to move on instead of saying, "Take this piece of paper that somebody else wrote, put yeah. it out under my name, and then just kind of fade."
0: I don't think that was his decision, frankly. <laughs> no, and, I know. But, but and, don't, and don't, we don't, see well, then, this. Then
1: shame on whoever we held see
0: back. this all the time sure. we but see a political think, level too right? let me
3: give you an example when well, absolutely and it's wrong let it's me give wrong ex- i
0: completely agree it's just that that's just where we are for example of someone who didn't do it that way and think of him what you might but joe rogan
3: in his multiple apologies lately he gets in front of instagram and you can kind of judge how a person their sincerity level when you see them saying it juwan could have easily if they said here's your statement this is what you're doing if he's really apologetic and felt bad about it he could have said, "No, I want to. I want to do this part and this part, and I want to do it on a video." He's going to say that on. to
0: the university that easily, easily yes. could have fired him. Yes. No, yes. you. He's yes. not. He's at that point. It's self-preservation. I'm it's not the gonna,
3: Second most recognizable person on that campus. But he doesn't Easy. have that
0: much power, right? It, oh, that, I think it, he the would. image of the university has is is the number one thing, and I'm not saying it should be. But that's how that comes out of uh, the administration, right? The, the folks uh, that run that campus, that's what they care about.
1: Let me suggest to you that based on the way they've handled John Vaughn, based yeah. on the way they've handled Mark I agree. based, I think based on the way they've PR. handled almost yeah. everything, the Jim Harbaugh situation, whoever's doing their communications at the University of Michigan is not a leader and the best.
0: It's it's a tur- I, I, it's would turtling, dis- I would not. I would Whatever metaphor you that. want, whatever analogy. And that's whatever assuming cliche, you're right. right. That's
1: assuming you're right. That they that they game planned how how Howard, Howard was going to well, handle it, this. Oh,
0: they absolutely. absolutely. There are people no, that get yeah. paid hundreds and th- hundreds of thousands of well, dollars over well, there to do that. Yeah.
1: No, I have no doubt that every single word that appeared in that statement was carefully measured and parsed out before it was Good parceled word. out. But um, but uh, you know if they're the ones, it, but you know what. <laughs> Do you really think, do you really truly believe that Juwan Howard said, no, no, I got to go out there. I've got to read, I think they, they said,
3: read this, say this, and he said, all right. What, what do you mean? Uh, he didn't say it. I mean, they just put out the statement. No,
1: no, I know, but I'm saying that, you know, if the university said, hey, we're going to put out this statement. I don't think he was. I don't think he was dying to get in front of a camera to say, "Yeah, I blew no, but my but I think he. I think he could
3: have. I think he could have no, filmed, he, filmed something and put it out on their Twitter. You know, yeah, I, I think that
1: he, just speaks he, way more. He could more about- have, and he should have, and perhaps he was overruled, as Sean says, by the university. But I just, there's nothing I've seen from Juwan Howard since this happened where I felt like he's just like, "Yeah, I really stepped on my crank. I better get out there and make the best of it."
0: I bet you he can Still better- feels
1: like that bitch touched me, and he got what he had coming.
0: You can better believe now he understands. Oh yeah. Absolutely.
1: I don't know if I believe it now. Well, but we'll sorry see if or it not is a different again. question.
0: But you, I don't think he fully understood when he met the media right after the game, 15 minutes, whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't think he fully understood what had happened or how big it was going to be. Exactly. Yeah. Like truly, but, what that what it meant. But frankly, there should be somebody. That just means there. it never
3: occurred to him that what he did was wrong. Well, there should
0: be someone yeah, there. Yeah, you're in the heat of the moment. You take a swing, right? I mean, you just people people unfortunately. That we do There's got to be it? an adult in the room because as soon as I saw it happen, I just went, Oh, this is gonna be a big,
3: bad problem. <laughs> you know it is. I mean, it was on the nightly news. It was on the Good Morning America. And,
0: and I know we gotta wrap this up, but real quickly, Mike, to get back to your point about nobody wants to be on the wrong side of the of the, the the fairness, the the ledger, the scales, whatever. And I understand, but just keep this in mind. Jim Caldwell, former Lions coach, has still not gotten a second chance in the NFL, right? Mm-hmm. For years and years and years, from for ninety five percent of the history of the NFL, if you were a white coach and you f- failed, Bill Belichick, right, Cleveland to New England. If you're a white coach and you 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 often got a second chance, sometimes a third chance. Usually with that the Lions. was true in the NBA up until you know the last five, six, seven years ago. Dwayne Casey, who's a Pistons coach, is is a good example of how that's changed a little bit. You know, but that's the, the for so long this is how it's been. If you were white, you got a second chance. I'm just talking about the sports world.
3: Well, and, it, and
0: as a coach in general, I did another job. And if you were black, you did not. The facts bear that out. The percentages bear that out. So if we're going to get upset, Lovey Smith would be the uh, exception to the right. rule, right? Yeah. Then that's just, how he keeps getting. And jobs. that's just recent. So if but if we're going to say if we're going to get upset at that fact when it's been so far the other way for so long, I just but, but we got to have that, some grace here. We got to have some grace. Period. That's
3: fine. I wouldn't disagree with that. But then when you're looking at one incident, why does all that have to be? I, I don't know. I just get a little exhausted with the I, over I of the what-ifs and the. It's like, I oh, agree. If, I agree. But, but it's not it was wrong. It was completely r- wrong. Yeah.
1: The difference here, and we're a little bit away from the conversation, so I may have the details a little bit conflated in my head, but the difference here isn't whether one person should have an edge on an opportunity. The difference is one guy should get sure. hammered and one guy should get a pass. Both can be punished. I guess that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Or both can be let go. It's a little different with the coaching thing, you know. And there, there were, you know, I, Lenny Wilkins did not have the greatest. Wes unselled was not the greatest NBA coach. There have been NBA coaches who've gotten more leeway. But in the NFL, you, we talked about it before. I'm totally with you. When you only have one more black coach in the NFL than you do in the NHL, that is fucking crazy. And there's no other way to look at.
0: Although it. Although that changed what last week or whatever, To your point with Lovey Smith. You you're right, it's just the idea and, of getting and Mike McDonald. It's, the, it's the idea of of a a second chance and 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 all that sort of thing. You you're right. I mean, it's just and that start and that started to change, which is a good thing. Yeah. How many people thought Brian Flores would get another chance in the NFL in any position?
1: Well, he's lucky there was a black coach in Pittsburgh. And they're lucky that the Rooney rule is named after the owners of the Steelers.
0: Yeah, right. You right. know,
1: I think that was the Steelers feeling like, "Hey, we better you know, if we're just going to put our name on some some bullshit, we better prove that uh, it's not bullshit, and we're going to step up.
0: You know, it, you know, I don't know if it had been true, if it had been in the I don't know if Greg Gard had been if he, if Greg Gard was constant coach, if he'd pulled the punch or took the swing. Sorry, wasn't a punch. If he'd taken the swing and hit hit uh, Saudi Washington upside yeah. the head, right, which is the which would be the same. Would he have lost his job? I mean, maybe. No. I don't think so. I, I don't know that he would. have. He might have. Maybe who knows? But if he did, and it's because we're trying to, we're still trying to sort through the history of this country. I think we, that we can live with that. I do. It, you know, I think we can find our way through that. If there are going to be some folks that have you to make, can a but Greg hard,
1: guard might have trouble living with it.
0: <laughs> really,
1: getting fired, uh, being being uh, overly punished for something. I think he'd have trouble living with
0: it. Well, we don't know if he'd be overly punished or not, right? Well, no, be, you're it, suggesting that it's prove. okay. To be
1: overly uh, harsh on someone of a yes, certain class just like because I'm, other I'm, people were overly harsh. I guess what I would say is I'm all for creating opportunities for people who have a history of being oppressed, but I'm not for being unfair to people who aren't a part of that group Just because it's your turn to so, take it in so, the ass My goal is that nobody gets screwed
0: Yeah, but then what happens we, we, The University of Michigan, let's stay right there What happened with the Supreme Court ruling on affirmative action I, I don't want to go down this rabbit hole But you know what I happened, after this- they ruled The percentage of black students at Michigan Went down, and it's still down Here was society <laughs> trying to find a way to change that And a couple of people who were white Said, no, 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 I belong there, my daughter belongs there I'm going to take it through there And, uh, and it fucked everything up but That's about access to opportunity but- but, but yeah,
1: like but hold know. on a second. There's, so there's, here's the distinction, and and now I'm 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 on firmer ground as we're getting into this. The distinction I draw is opportunity versus punishment. Yeah. Now, if somebody has a little advantage on opportunity because they've been disadvantaged for so long, and and people can debate this, I'm okay. I personally am okay with it. But I'm not for saying, you know, these guys got screwed forever, so this guy should get more punishment than he deserves. To me. Opportunity, I'm willing to make some, you know, give people a little boost. To me it's
0: the same thing. It's all opportunity. It's no, opportunity no, 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 for no, no, a second no, 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 chance. No, no,
1: no. If if you don't get into a college because of the way you look, that's different than getting an extra two years on your prison sentence because of how you look. That you should not be enhancing punishment and justifying that by saying, Well, we're enhancing opportunity. Enhance opportunity, do not enhance it's punishment. It's
0: all opportunity. It's opportunity for a second chance.
1: This is why that's Donald what I would Trump say is successful because he takes
0: this I and he says I agree.
1: You're getting punished more than you deserve. He this is why grievance. people are into this whole critical race theory uh, uh teaching debate because they feel like it's not about creating opportunity; it's about punishing someone they can't tell the difference but when you're talking about your right to have keep your job your right to maintain your freedom you cannot enhance the punishment and say it's okay that somebody got more than they deserved because the other people got more than they deserved no no you should be saying what happened to them was wrong we're done with that and we're not going to try and offset by saying now you're my bitch
0: you're talking about in theory in a vacuum Fine, but you're not. But that's not how the America. real world works. That's not how our country is set up. It's still not how it, our country is set up. And it's not an. It's not punishment. It is an opportunity for forgiveness. It's an opportunity for another opportunity, which has not been on the level forever and it's finally starting to get that way though we bit. agree me, with that's that that's how i look, how I look at that. it
1: but you're okay with people getting an extra punishment because of the way they look and i'd say that's just as no, wrong Not
0: because of the way they look if wisconsin if that had happened to guard in wisconsin says oh that's a bad look for us it's them looking at their image Right, It'd be the reverse, and they're going to fire a guard because they don't think it looks good for a little white guy to take a slap at a black assistant coach at Michigan. And I'm not saying that would happen. I don't know that that would happen at all. But if it did, they're doing it for their own public relations reason because of the larger context of society. And I know that's not fair, but that's the reality. Well, that's, that might be why they're doing It doesn't mean it's right. I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I'm saying you
1: seem to be arguing it's right. I think that's where we're hung up here.
0: Yeah, being so stupid.
3: You're stupid.
0: No, you're stupid. You're stupid. (laughs) It's 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 all it's all mood in a way. It's just interesting that so many folks, so many people went there. Right, away. that's just not where my head went. No, mine either. Mine either. But it's forced me to because that's I've gotten a lot of reaction to the two columns, and that's why Whitlock writes the way he writes. Oh, absolutely. Oh, he knew it would get. Knows what he's doing. absolutely. Absolutely. Absolutely did you guys see me win that conversation <laughs> i think no, that's a I, good point I, I really i really didn't
1: <laughs> that, that's a good point to uh welcome sean back i know see how much better it is when you're here he's got energy he's got to, he's got some skin tone he's wearing a fantastic hoodie and uh
0: he's feeling good right
1: pleased to see good. you back and in fighting him
0: Yeah, no, i'm feeling all right it's just uh this is frustrating stuff sure this is really, no, it's just the grievance garbage, the critical race theory garbage. Michelle Tafoya, the sideline reporter of the NFL, going off and oh my god! After getting paid from a league that has done what it's done and the, the way with the coaches, it's just it's just so hypocritical and oh.
1: Okay, so we're not moving on. No, no, <laughs> I don't want
0: to get in. I I, I don't want to get. Well, into you just
1: that. took us back there. <laughs> yeah.
0: Oh. Yeah. I'll send you uh, LZ Granderson's piece from the Los Angeles Times about the FOIA and her background and the neighborhood she grew up and the deeds and, and just the history of this country and how, oh, well, we don't want to teach any of this in schools. Oh, yeah. Anyway, sorry.
1: Well, Sean, if I could bring us back to JT Harding, if I could offer a couple of songs that might help you through this time, how mm-hmm. about Smile? Mm-hmm. And I don't want to say it's by Uncle Cracker, because that's not racist. That's actually the man's name. Um, Beer and Sunshine? And perhaps... We could get some beers in the sunshine. Well, there's by a group Dares called Rucker. Cracker too, right? Yeah, There is mm-hmm. outstanding group. I'd love to play them on this. They show were
0: part sometime. of a uh, the, the Beethoven. Yep. Take the Skinheads Bowling Group, right? Yep. Yeah. It was mm-hmm. Camper. I saw them in, at Rick's. I saw oh, really? Cracker Camper at Van Beethoven. Uh, yeah, back in the 80s. St.
1: Andrews. Did you? When when it was Cracker, but it's a great. Low band. was
0: that their big hit? Yeah. Low. We yeah, had a st- bunch of them. We <laughs> had them in studio. It would be nice to play some of that kind of stuff. <laughs> so I love you know, that song. It's you nice. know
1: their their lead singer David, yeah. and I forget his last name, who's a friggin' genius, ended up being a professor at the
0: University of Georgia. It might, it might, oh, really? It might be nice to play the Pixies from Once in a Once. Oh, another. love the Pixies. Yeah. Can we expand? Should we just bit? do Sean month and let him pick whatever he wants? If, oh, he's, no, if no. he's willing to make the effort. I, I don't. Mike's, yeah. are, Mike's already going down a nostalgia road with this, and it's fun. I don't need to go down a nostalgia road you know, for I, the Pixies or whatever. I,
1: I've seen the Pixies a couple times. Shitty
3: in What? Person. Really? I yeah. just saw them a few Not years good. ago. They were
0: good. I saw the Replacements yeah, one they, time in they're person, different and now. they were
3: drunk as shit. They're could, a
1: little mellowed out.
3: Well, they're different now because they got rid of Kim. Could barely play.
1: No, because I think Black Francis has realized being an asshole is oh, no way to go through lot. life.
3: I think when the Breeders did better than his solo album, that was a— little a dose of uh humility for him yeah yeah what was his that's song such, with
1: the giant aspirin in it
3: it's such a great album his solo, first solo album uh, headache that's a good tune that's the second album yeah uh-huh. good video too um
1: I actually anyway. had Tommy Stinson said something shitty to me at, I think, maybe Good Time Charlie's in him? Ann Arbor. No, I went after, I went up to him after. I went to go what see happens? him. at They, they played at- Oh uh, no, seriously,
0: what happened? You say, I won't, I won't forget center? this shit? Is that the- What's the big- There's uh, a power center there. Yeah, yeah. It's on campus, yeah.
1: Yeah, right on yeah. State Huron? Street there? No, it's Huron. No, it's
0: Huron and, uh, on uh, yeah. Huron and- Maybe I saw- And uh, Ann or near Ann or whatever. It was
1: yeah. either the power center or uh, Hill Auditorium. And, of course, the power center is Jim Harbaugh and Juan Howard, but we don't want to get back into that. But um, I, I, I think I and I saw him at one of those places, and we went to a bar afterwards. And it wasn't Good Time Charlie's. It was... Uh, Rick's? It wasn't Rick's. Touchdown? No. Um, but it was a brown kind jug? of... Jug? No, it wasn't a Brown Jug either. Um, damn, I can't remember what it was. But anyway, um, I went up to him, and he was sitting there. And he was remarkably coherent for being the replacements after a show. And I said, hey, are you Harvey Stinson? I mean, are, are you Tommy Stinson? And he said, you know, I, I mean, I pretty much knew it was, but I just, I didn't know how to introduce myself to a star who I really admired. And he said something like, no, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm Harvey, you know, Bushmiller or something <laughs> like that. And I said, oh, I, you know, I, I didn't think you were an asshole. And I walked away, something to that effect. But he thought he was being clever. And I was just sort of like, oh, you're a
0: dick. Wow, you really jumped to that part. Pretty quick. So, speaking of that era, I'm in Toronto in the, the late '80s with a, a, a girlfriend at the time, and we're in this little. Is it the Goth chick? Nice. It was, and we're in this, nice. we're in this little when this little coffee shop. Yeah, and having an espresso Do whatever, because we're trying to, you know, whatever, <laughs> and we want to get a little something nope. to eat. And the guy gives us a couple choices. He said, "No, no, no, you need to go to this kind of place. It's a little bit more your speed." Yeah, <laughs> he, he was basically telling us we were completely uncool and had no whatever. And he's, he 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 was just blunt. Not the about, first time. No, and and that's fine. I've never been cool in my life, but it was just odd that uh how blunt he dick. was. <laughs> what an yeah, He was just and I remember my girlfriend at the time we just were looking at each other and she she couldn't she she didn't sleep that, I mean, it just it was so cutting and so you're just not used oh, to that we kind know of like she didn't sleep. Wait a
1: minute. You, you weren't know? you weren't at like uh, Canadian Denny's. You were at a cool place. No, with this cool, cool little at...
0: espresso back oh. back in this. Remember these days too. Back those days, if you went to a place that's, that sold espresso, unless it was an Italian restaurant, a coffee shop that had espresso, it was a it was You're a hipster a, place before know. hipster was even a word. Really You're smoking oh,
1: yeah. jarum cigarettes and Oh, she
0: smoked clothes. You know, you know the yeah. shit, right? It's just, uh, <laughs> but but I don't, I don't know why I thought about it. But it's just that whole music scene and of that era with that. It was just all the. People look down on people, and I just I, I, that wasn't unique I to do. that. Studio yeah.
1: 54 had people at the door saying you yeah. can't come in because you and and but
0: it uh, was a different crowd saying that to a different crowd, right? No, I mean, but that's always been that way. Like, so no, for sure.
1: So, if you remember the scene the on the whole idea 60, of street cred, two, right? There would be people lined up on Jefferson Avenue to get into the scene, which was sort of like Detroit's local soul train. And and I was not a good dancer, and I wasn't cool enough and didn't have the clothes to yeah, get into Yeah, but on that's a scene. club, that's not but, a coffee shop. No, no, it was a TV show, but but. It, the, the word on the street was because I did it, my ear to the ground is if you're going to go on the scene, do not come dressed all in white because you need to pop. You know, when the camera hits you, you do not want somebody dressed head to toe in white. You had to wear something that was, you yeah. know, this is the disco era, you know, you had to have, you know, flash. I like, mean, people
0: are like, you got like JT. <laughs> No, I remember. I remember. Uh, I I cook, cooked at the Fleetwood Diner in, the, in in Ann Arbor back in the late '80s. And uh, was and it really
1: were, you or Gordon Food Service?
0: It was no, it was me. And okay. we cooked everything from scratch. Anyway, it was not an early and, and there was a scratch time acid? there was a time when the Ann Arbor Film Festival, which was a really experimental sort of whatever,
1: a lot of and that crowd. They, they would oh, yeah. cook
0: for. Uh, I would cook for the judges during when you know when they hold themselves up and decide to make decisions on what they were going to show in the winners of the festival and all that. And so I would get tickets to the grand opening, and you'd go in, and it was all these folks. You know, it's funny. You think about th- this is – bear with me for one quick second. You think about the Democratic Party and the struggles of the working class. I think we have no choice. Working <laughs> class people, white folks, all that. Well, I can remember in that goddamn film festival in that lobby, all those elitist sons of bitches oh, yeah. looking down. This is in the early 90s and looking down on anybody that farmed or was a plumber that changed. And I just remember thinking, this, this, I hated it. And I couldn't that's, take that scene. I'm like, okay, the movies are interesting. But damn, that's why people hate Hollywood.
3: So
1: I just, right? I just, yeah, uh, I was, you know, everything's on the internet. So I just looked up what the menu was that those judges would order from Sean. It was uh, Gitanes, <laughs> the French cigarettes, black coffee, and heroin.
0: Uh, well, corned beef hash is what we did. We made it from scratch. It was really good. You know? Hippie hash. Uh no, it was, was that after? That was oh, a little. That was a little bit different. Hit, but back in hit. those days, the Fleetwood was great because it was a mix of townies. And awesome, yeah. all kinds of people doing all kinds of making all kinds of level different levels of money and doing work. It was a real great melting pot. It's great, it really was. Now it's a student hangout. But did you,
1: did you have to get a job there to hang out there, or were you cool <laughs> enough by then? <laughs> Or did you just dump that I was never chick cool who was up.
0: bringing you down? I was never cool enough. People would come in and sit at the counter, and, and and we'd get the lines because of the way I made hash browns. It had nothing to do with me. You know what I mean? I used real butter, and the owner finally caught on to that instead of oil. Groundbreaking. Yeah, no, it changed, it changed everything. Damn. <laughs> It's amazing how something's so simple like that. It's
1: like Knives Out. This whole show has just been a big, uh, big wind-up to try was, and get to. Sean was using butter on the hash browns instead of oil. I'm
0: hungry. It, but it led to a line out the door. <laughs> okay. And then, and then the owner was like, no, because butter's more expensive than shortening, right? So. Sure. Yeah, so you know they <laughs> you should you put should a stopped, on that. Should have stopped when you head.
1: ahead. Yeah, I think we have a line out the door of listeners right now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I was going to try and tee up Carlos and Sean podcast, but I think uh, no we've already, we've already gotten into it. It's going to be revelations about uh, corned No, Irish. it's
0: going to be more Jawan Howard stuff. I guess we and, are going to uh, get into it. And and Carlos has been covering the, the fire at the Oakland Hills, uh, sure. Oakland Hills Country Club. So we'll probably, unfortunately, have to talk about that.
1: Unfortunately,
0: well, it's golf. But you know it is sad that it burned down, right? So is it? I don't know. Is it? I mean, your people, nope, Mark. So. My, they're not my people. I'm, yeah, no. Uh, I
3: don't know. Nobody got hurt. I mean, it's sad because it's a historic building, I suppose. But it's insured. It will be. There's a GoFundMe for some reason. Wow. Yeah. That I don't understand. But yeah. No. I mean. yeah. Sure. Okay. So it's if you- very sad to those people. They saved all the historic stuff inside. So.
1: So. uh no For reasons hurt. that escape me, if you want more of that, um, you, can, you can tune into the Carlos and Sean podcast, where they will talk about other stuff that's probably better.
0: Yeah, like Howard, like we just did here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, so we Maybe appreciate a little bit different perspective in there. You know what I mean?
1: We we appreciate you uh, listening to us. If you missed last week's show, we had Jerry Vile of the Dirty Show on, legendary Detroit troublemaker. Please check that show out. Please like, subscribe, rate, and love our show. If you, you know, if you feel so inclined, we do have, um, we do have one, uh, uh, five star rating that we've received in the last week says, I enjoy the variety of topics covered along with the witty repartee. So, um, Hmm. I'm not sure he's got the right show, but we appreciate the five. Oh no. Wait, it's yeah. Five stars. We have 579 ratings. Please bring us to 580. Please subscribe. If you're listening, please subscribe to live broadcast. You can watch it as it happens on YouTube channel ML Elric, or you can watch the replay. It's always interesting when we have colorful guests to see them as they say what they have to say. And if you're listening, we, of course, appreciate you taking us wherever you're going. Uh, We promise not to tell if it's someplace you'd rather folks not know that you frequent. And, um, you know, there's lots of time to kill these days. How about checking out some of our other Red Shovel Network shows? Charlie Duff's No BS News Hour. There's, of course, the Drew and Mike podcast. And J.T. Harding, if you want to see him in person, again, you can find him on March 4th. That's a Friday at 20 Front Street in Lake Orion. $20 to get in. All that money goes to support the bar and the good people who work there. We'll have a link to their website on our website. March 8th, that's a Saturday. Come see me and J.T. I mean, really, you come to see J.T. and I'll be there at the bar. At the Cadu Cafe, 4300 Cadu Road. That's $30 to get in, but you also get a book when you get in there. And I want to toss ahead a little bit to St. Patrick's Day. We will be doing a special live broadcast from the Kaju Cafe from noon to 2 p.m. on Thursday, March 17th. Please come out and join me. It's going to be a great time. There's going to be great music. Your hosts, John Rutherford, and his partner, Paul, put on a great show. We've been trying to do the St. Patrick's Day edition there for three years now. We're finally going to make it happen and I think I'm probably going to bring out some of our sweet Soul of Detroit merch if you'd like to buy some. So I'd love to see you at the Cadu on the 5th or on the 17th. In the meantime, have a great week. We will see you next week here at the Soul of Detroit. Cyrus, take us out.
2: Can you dig that? Can you dig it? (laughs) Can you dig it? (laughs) You're gone, man. Am I being kicked out of the podcast that I started? Let's go. John?
3: Hello. This is Carlos Monerez. I'm starting a sports podcast.